Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Kia ora, good morning and welcome to Izzy and Kempi for breakfast here on SENZ. It is four past six on your Thursday morning and uh, uh, Dagger, you, mm. I'll see you on the camera there mate, uh, we're, in the, uh, we're in the polo shirt, got your 3T cap on it, it looks like you're about to walk out the door and go play another round of golf. <laughs> no, 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 not today, not today, hell no, I will get ripped apart, no, having uh, a day off, had a game yesterday, started well, ended horribly, but uh, we won our match, lost the big bamboozle, but that's okay, um, it was an interesting day, you said a lot of wind, man, summertime, you, you get, you know, the sun's breaking through the clouds, but there's so much wind around, it's... It's tough, but today we've got a beautiful blue sky. Tomorrow's nice weather as well, and then Saturday I think it's 27, so we've got a couple of good days of, of weather coming up in Christchurch. But no, not today. I've uh, got some jobs that I need to, to sort out, uh, a la irrigation, lawns, mm. paddocks, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So there won't be any golf, um, unfortunately, but tomorrow... I'm back out on the course. So it's, yeah, it doesn't take long. <laughs> it doesn't take long. And actually, speaking of golf, we've got one of your uh, one of one of your mates, uh, one of your golfing buddies from the Hawks Bay on today. Yeah, young Zach Swanick. So I played with him um, a while ago uh, when he was down here in, in Christchurch playing for the Charles Tour. He's an amateur from from Hawks Bay. He's uh, Andrew Hinnard is his coach out of uh, the Napier Golf Club, and uh, he played. At the Australian Open, he shot five under in round one. I think he was tied. He was in the top ten. He was a couple of shots off the lead. Uh, he capitulated a little bit towards uh, the end of that. I think he missed the cut after the second round. He had a tough uh, day too, but that's okay. Going to chat to him about his future. He's a big prospect on the golfing ranks in New Zealand, and it'll be just great to chat to him after his probably his biggest career appearance to date and see where he is at with his. Uh, career, you know, everyone's the biggest question when you're an amateur is when you're going to turn pro, but I don't think any time soon he's in no rush and uh, it'd be good just to really chat to him about yeah, what does the summer look like for him next year? Has he been invited to the New Zealand Open? Is that something that he'd love to aspire and, and go be a part of? So really looking forward to chatting to young Zach. Yeah, no, it'll be good. Looking forward to that. That's happening after 8 o'clock. After 7 o'clock, Matt Reid is going to join us, uh, English uh, football writer, to talk about the Premier League, the two big games yesterday. Uh, Arsenal getting uh, taken to the wire by Luton. It was three all deep in injury time. Arsenal won it was pretty much the last kick of the game. We'll talk about that. And the big game's coming up today as well. Manchester United take on Chelsea. Liverpool also in action. Uh, and uh, I think uh, Newcastle go to Everton as well, amongst others. So we'll, we'll get the lowdown on all those. And then 
7.40, Pete McGlashan as well, going to join us to talk a bit of cricket, mate. And uh, I'll tell you, I went to bed yeah. last night thinking, oh, we're, mm. in a, we're in a pretty good place here. We've managed to roll Bangladesh for 172. Uh, I'll wake up in the morning when we, you know, we, should, mm. we might be 80-odd for, I don't know, two or something like that. And I'd be, be quite happy with that. It was an eventful day one, wasn't it? Mm. Bowling them out for 172. The spinners having a huge influence on the game. You got Patel, 254, Santner, 3 for 65. And then obviously Clem Phillips, been a lot spoken about his option with the ball in hand. 3 for 31, best figures for the Black Caps. Um, but yeah, look, they're just putting themselves under so much pressure. The top order failed to fire again. 5 for 55. And a pretty um, eventful day one because you got Mushfika Rahim. And that bizarre dismissal, which was the correct decision in the end, hmm. you know, with the rules stating that you cannot handle the ball with your hand uh, when it's heading towards the stumps. He was given out. He is the first player since Michael Vaughan to be given out like that. Uh, I guess the question is, in, in regards to that dismissal, it was the correct decision, but spirit of the game, it wasn't anywhere near the stumps. No, it wasn't near the stumps, but I will say this. Bangladesh dismissed Angelo Matthews mm. from Sri Lanka during the Cricket World Cup mm. by timing him out because he had a, a problem yeah. with his with his gear, with his uh, helmet strap, and so they appealed yep. and, and got him out that way. So a bit karmic, maybe? Yeah, karma coming back. Um, but, yeah. Well, you, I, was, I was doing some reading on it, and it was like, he's played 80 tests, Mushfika. Mm-hmm. And they, they said, well, in the nets, you're constantly hitting the ball, picking it up with your hands, throwing it back to the bowlers. So he might have just had a, a bit of a mind blank. Um, but, yeah, like you see, a bit of karma coming back to, to bite them. So a bizarre day one, really, from the Black Caps. Obviously, Henry Nichols fell into fire again. He's been given the nod ahead of Russian Ravindra. But in saying that, Devin Conway, Tom Latham, Kane Williamson got a, got a start. Weren't able to, to survive. Daryl Mitchell's still available. Is he going to be the saviour again heading into day two? A big day ahead, but uh, conditions, spin friendly. Yeah, what's going to happen when the pitch starts to break up? <laughs> oh, this is going to be a disaster. <laughs> if, if day one and you're getting that, yeah. 15 wickets on day one, you know exactly this is going to be a two, three-day test, probably even two. It's going to be a short test, and uh, they need to dig deep the Black Caps, to, to try and put some fight back into this game. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out because yeah, it's interesting what you said because I, I read that about the, uh, oh, he might have been trying to grab the ball like they're doing. The, but it didn't look like that to me. It looked like he was just deliberately mm. trying to bat the ball away from where he thought his stumps was. I think he lost he lost where he was. I think he thought it was closer to yeah. the stumps than it was. I think it was the, yeah. that was the problem. Um, so, yeah, but, I mean, it turned out, too, he was the top scorer. For for Bangladesh, yeah. so it was. I mean, I don't. Know, I suppose it doesn't matter how you get him, so long as you get him. You get him out, mate, and he was given out. So the rest is history, really. And uh, Thomas has come through with a little conspiracy here. Mm. Morning boys, call me a conspiracy theorist, but I think Ration isn't getting selected in case he has a few bad innings. It will devalue him for the IPL auction. Mm. No, different format, <laughs> I think. Different format, but yeah, interesting, interesting idea. I I, I was a bit uh, surprised when they they only made one change, and that was to mm. put Santner in for Sodi. Yeah, yeah. Look, I, I yeah. Well, I, I'm not. I'm surprised, but I'm not surprised hearing Darren Mitchell's conversation the other day on the news talking about look, you just got to buy your time. They're very loyal and 
and, and trusting in the black caps. And you obviously have a few misses. That's not going to really um, dampen your selection. So he's just going to have to buy his time and, and wait it out. Uh, I'm sure next couple of innings they're going to get an opportunity he, or heading into the new year back home. You know, we've got our test against South Africa. We've got Australia. Um, so there's a big summer of cricket coming up. But, look, everyone's calling for it. And it's only a matter of time before Carrie Stead and, and co have to crumble and, and make those decisions because yep. right now it's not working. It's not working at all, that Bangladeshi innings. Uh, I mean, they lost uh, three of their top four in single figures, uh, all out for 172. Those bowling figures again, uh, Glenn Phillips, three for 31 off 12. Mitch Santner, three for 65 mm. off 28. Ajaz Patel, two for 54 off 17. Kalma Jamison, none for eight off four. How's this though? Tim Southey, 5.2 overs, five maidens, no runs, one wicket. Mm. Yeah, well, he's he's our he's our leader, isn't he? He's an inspirational uh, um, bowler that that leads away for the for the quickies. Um, but mate, they're just going to have to grind it out the quicks. They're going to get probably very limited success on this pitch. Grind it out, give the the rest for the the spinners to just bowl in partnerships and uh, come in and odd the offer, odd their offer. Uh, a little bit of service every now and then, and uh, hopefully we get the result. But, mate, it's going to be tough work. We need to have a huge day. You think about the tail wagging. Oh, they got to waggle. Yeah, they got to wag hard. Uh, I mean, this is what it looks like at the moment. Tom Latham was out for four. He was caught behind. Devin Conway was out for 11. He was bold. Uh, Kane Williamson was caught in the outfield for 13. Uh, Henry Nichols uh, was caught in the outfield as well for one. Um, Daryl Mitchell was still there on 12. Tom Blundell got a duck off two balls. He was LBW. Glenn Phillips still is there as well on five off six. So 55 for five with uh, Santana, Jamison, Southie and Patel still to come from a batting point of view. All right, let's crack in to this. Round one, five. The three big questions of the day for Triple Threat. I see five of our Kiwi referees are heading up to take charge of games at the Six Nations, is he? Does that mean we expect European refs down here for the rugby championship? And is that a good thing for the players? Uh, probably not. <laughs> probably not. I, I think well, it just shows how high regard our referees are, are held around the world, you know. And, and the best thing about Kiwi refs is they they actually officiate. They ref what they see. They very rarely go to the TMO to make any decisions um, and they love to keep the ball in play, you know, keep speeding it up because that's traditionally the, the New Zealand way. So I can understand why they're going up in the north. Are we going to see some, some Northern Hemisphere refs coming down? Probably, you know. You, you rely on heavily on, on Australian refs, Angus Gardner, um, Nick Berry, to, to carry the workload. Um, yeah, so I, I expect a couple of Northern referees to come down. Who that is... Well, uh, that's anyone's decision, but you've probably got Matthew Raynell's at the top of that list, um, potentially to come down. A uh, few of them have retired. And there's been a lot of chat in regards to referees at the moment, but, mate, uh, you can understand why they're heading up north. You've got uh, Ben O'Keefe, you've got James Dolman, um, you've got Paul Williams, you've got Angus maybe he's going to head up and do some TMO work, uh, I mean assistant referee work, and Brendan Pickerel also heading up to uh, do some TMO. And then you've got Holly Davison will make history as the first female assistant referee in the Six Nations. So there's plenty happening. Great opportunity for young aspiring referees. They need to go up because they're copping a little bit of heat at the moment. And 
and put some calmness back into the into the world of rugby. Round two. All right, question number two uh, f- for you. You, you. you take on this, mate. Uh, Eric Ten Hag, the Manchester United manager, has banned four different journalists. One from the Manchester Evening News, one from ESPN, one from Sky, and one from the Daily Mirror from Manchester United press conferences because they are putting stories into the in, into the press uh, that I, I think he's basically saying are uh, inflammatory or divisive and maybe not 100 percent true. Uh, that's the that's the message that's being sent by United. Uh, for you, is that a sign of strength? It's, it is the sort of thing Sir Alex Ferguson had done in the past, or is it a sign that the end is near? Oh, probably the latter. I think controlling the narrative, eh, for Eric Ting Hag. Like, he is on the chopping board at the moment. Uh, he's pleading to his board to please show faith and, you know, a bit of calmness with what's eventuating there at Manchester United. Look, I think I want to talk to you about this, this question because I feel no matter who is um, coaching this Manchester United, the Red Devils outfit, isn't going to have any success at the moment. You think United, they turned to Ten Hag after he led Ajax to three Dutch titles and two cups in the space of four years. They have had some very experienced, very successful coaches in the past. But every time they go there, they don't quite get it right. So for me, this has got to come down to a culture problem, Mm. a systemic problem there at Manchester United that is horribly wrong. No one in their right mind can change this outfit from what, what they're doing at the moment. Like, the players, they sound like they're pretty bratty. Yeah. What, well, do, you, what do you feel? Yeah, well, I was interested to hear Nemanja Matic, the uh, ex-United mm. uh, midfielder, talk. He said Because he used to be at Chelsea. He said, at Chelsea, yep. everybody knew what time they had to be there. Everybody was there. They had a, they had a really good culture, and, and everybody basically went, this is what we have to do. He said, at United, mm. he picked out two players in particular, Paul Pogba and Jadon Sancho. Said they're always mm. late. In fact, in one season when he was there, it must have been, I think it was under Mourinho, uh, they had £75,000 in late fees, late fines collected for the season. £75,000. Uh, that, that, that's, the, that's all there in a nutshell. Money ain't a problem. Yeah, you know, oh well, I'm going to be late today, but there's going to be what consequences of me having to pay a fine? Oh, that's okay. I've got plenty of cash. Like, that's 101 of a horrible culture. Yeah. No one's bigger than the team, and there's a lot of players here. I, I just feel like Eric Ten Hag's got an uphill battle. He's, he's climbing Mount Everest with the, with the environment, and it's been happening for a very, very, very long time. And I know the owners, the Glazier family, and, and situation that's happening in the back room is, is probably adding to this, but uh, he's under pressure. But back to your question, look, he's, he's trying to control the narrative. He's lost a lot of appeal out there in the public. People have lost faith. Um, so if you want to write your own script, then you've got to control the control the narrative, and that's what he's trying to do. This is what he's trying to do. It's interesting on Sancho because he's taken a really strong stance on Sancho. He didn't select him for a game against Arsenal earlier yeah. in the season, and he was asked about it, and he said, oh, he didn't train well, and you've got to train well if you want to be in the team. And then Sancho yeah. came out and called him a liar, said that's not true, and like actually called him yeah. a liar in whatever he said in his Instagram post or whatever. So he was... He ha- he was told he had to apologise to the manager. Mm. He's refused to apologise to the manager, so the manager's gone. You can't train with the first team. You go and train with the under 18s Off you go. See you later. <laughs> and uh, it's been three months, and he's refusing mm. to apologise. And Ten Hag's like, right, we'll just sell you then. Get rid of you. 
So uh, he's, wow. he's trying to make the stand. Uh, it's just uh, how that is going at the moment. So we'll have to see on that one. Round three. Now, Izzy, I know you were away for the last month, but surely you were hearing about uh, Hamish McLennan, uh, the now deposed oh, yeah. CEO of Australian Rugby. Uh, he did the whole, oh, we're going to go to the NRL and sign their best players. It was him and Eddie Jones doing that. <laughs> Has he started a war that Australian rugby can't win with the NRL? Because we are now hearing that the big star, breakout star for the last year from Australian rugby, this uh, Mark Noah Quinn, uh, Quinnatawase, is uh, leaning to go into the Roosters. Oh, he was never going to win that war. I don't even know why he jumped in the trenches with uh, the NRL. You know, they've got a ton of cash. They've got the best product in in Australia at the moment. They are absolutely flying. And when you're trying to take on the powerhouse, I can understand his reasoning trying to get some headlines. When you're connecting with the biggest brand, people are going to start talking about you. But the reality is, speaking to a lot of locals over there, none of them even know what the Wallabies are doing, who's in the Wallabies. I was talking to this guy in the outback. He said, I wouldn't even name no one player. So there's a bigger problem there in terms of rugby having a presence uh, in the media, but you just cannot win that battle. It has to start at the, at, the young, at the young ages. Like No one's playing rugby there. The numbers are dwindling. There's not even, I think rugby at one of the biggest schools in the Gold Coast has been taken out of the curriculum. So it's not even a part of the, the school anymore when traditionally they were very, very good at rugby. Um, it's just a dying, slow dying sport in, in Australia. And Noah Kintawasi is a very good player. The Roosters have approached him, reports that he's probably going to get 600000 He's thinking about it. He's just signed a one-year extension. I think the big question is so, so, um, Sawali. Yeah. Sawali'i, sorry. Is he still going to go over with the the kind of carnage and damage that Rugby Australia is is having at the moment. I, I can see him 100% pulling out. Oh, so can I. We haven't heard anything. Haven't heard anything. Is he still? Is that deal still on the table? Has he signed it? What's going on? Here, nothing. And uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're fighting a, a losing battle. I think Phil Waugh wants out. Phil Waugh definitely wants out. And, uh, you know, it hasn't mm. helped that, um, like, was it last week or the week before, Nick Politis in an interview said, oh, you know, uh, Joseph, yeah, no, he's he, he's already told me um, he's, as soon as his contract with Aussie Rugby's done, he's back to the Roosters. I've got a contract for him from 2028. And that did not go <laughs> down well with Australian Rugby at all. So uh, oh, watch this Why would you go waste that money for a small period of time when you could use that money to build the next best thing in Australia? If he's if he's saying that you just you cut the contract now and move on. Yep, get get done, get done. Double eight, double three is the temper bedpost text machine. Love to hear from you this morning. We got Dagger's donation coming up. Uh, you're listening to Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. Thanks to Chemist Warehouse keeping you healthy this summer. Six twenty seven. You can get us on 0800-150-811 or the temper bedpost text machine double eight double three. Temper at bedpost range of mattresses and adjustable bases adapt to the exact shape of your body, so you can put your head and feet up in comfort. A few texts coming through. Chris is saying it was interesting that they've given Henry Nichols another chance, but not Ish Sodi. Yeah, there's favouritism there, isn't there? Yeah. Look, Henry Nichols isn't a bad player. He's he's play, he plays extremely he just like you've you've alluded to this week he just doesn't play well, uh, you know overseas in the southern continent so it's a, it's a difficult transition but 
reality is this is top sport. I've been there. You, you, you miss fire, you, you don't get select, you give someone else an opportunity. This opportunity is rations. He needs an opportunity to go out there and show his class in the in the five day game. But hasn't been happening and I'm sure if Henry doesn't f- fire in the next innings <clears throat> it's sayonara, I feel. Yeah, well you'd think so, but history if you look back at it tells us they'll just keep selecting him until he gets a big score and then use that as justification to keep selecting him again. Yeah, 100%. Did I just say something dumb there? Uh, did you say something dumb? Subcontinent. Subcontinent, not, South- not say... Southern continent. Yeah, yeah I was meant to say subcontinent. Yeah, yeah, sorry. yeah. No, that's right. I was waiting for a little giggle from you. No, 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 that's right. Did I say that right? No, nah, yeah. subcontinent. Sorry, mate. Well, that's all right. I just, I just figured if I didn't say anything, maybe nobody would notice. <laughs> but no, I knew, as soon as I said it, I was like... Oh my God, Israel Dag. Subcontinent. Yeah. What have you done? Anyway. Um, because, I mean, Henry Nichols scored a double ton against Sri Lanka, I think in March at the end of our last summer, right? Yeah. Um, but that was his first big score, I think, in 10 or 12 tests before that. So you can see the pattern. Yeah. That right, Robbie? Yeah. You got well, those numbers right? Yeah, I, th- I think he's. Um, I think the two hundred. It was. I think I read somewhere it was his only score above thirty in his past fifteen innings. There you go. Mm. And that was in Christchurch, eh? Yes. Yeah, I think so. Against Sri Lanka. That was at home. Yeah. That was at home. So he goes good in our conditions. Yeah, he does, and he goes really good down in Christchurch. Obviously, plays a hell of a lot here, but yeah, just just other conditions. Teams uh, seems to struggle, but mate, you go, he's got another chance. Over there to, to put some confidence in selectors. But if not, how good is it knowing that you've got Russian Vavindra to go out and, and show us his class uh, in the Red Ball Arena? So, yeah, give him a crack and if not, move on. All right, let's have a look. Uh, we'll talk more about that with Pete McLash and get his take on it at 7.40 this morning. It is 6.30 right now, though. We've got sports headlines on the way for you shortly right now, though. It's Araha with news for Kubota. Kubota's in-stock catalogue is out now. Bunnings Trade helping you power through to the end of the year. Here's some sports headlines for you in Bangladeshi batsman. Mushfakir Rahim was given out for obstructing the field on day one of the second test against New Zealand in Dakar as Pakistan, uh, as Bangladesh were uh, dismissed for 172. He was their top run scorer at the time. Mitch Sand and Glenn Phillips both took three wickets apiece. Well, Tim Southey finished with figures of one for none of 5.2 overs. Black to cap, so struggle with a bat. And we're 55 for 5 at stumps with Daryl Mitchell, Glenn Phillips at the crease. Uh, other cricket news, Kane Williamson has retained the number one spot in the Test batter rankings after his century against Bangladesh in the number one Test. He's got 883 ratings points. He's 24 points ahead of number two, Joe Root from England, and uh, further ahead of Steve Smith uh, from Aussie in third place. Another black cap in the top ten is Daryl Mitchell. He's up to seven. Mm in the world, and Kyle Jamison is back in the mix in the bowlers list up to 13th and re-entered the all-rounders list at 15th place as well after his comeback from injury, while Glenn Phillips, how's this mate, he's grabbed 85th place amongst the bowlers despite only having completed two tests in his career, he's also 66th <laughs> in the all-rounders list, so he's going alright. He's going good man, like how good's that knowing you got Glenn Phillips' power at your disposal? But knowing that you can give him the ball when when you need to give the quickies or everyone else a little bit of a rest and having some success, you know, three for thirty one, and we had uh, Chris Harris on yesterday talking about that. He's a very good bowler. He spins it out a long way, and wow, he's up to the top hundred already. He does something that not a lot of our bowlers do, or our, you know, our spin bowlers have done in the past. Is he's not afraid to rip it? You know, Santner yeah. and Vittori, for for example, were all just about. 
flight and length and yep. things in control yep. where he's he's just willing to give it a bit extra. He bowls it a bit faster as well and then just rips the hell out of it. Yeah, we'll give it a bit of rip, mate. When you're playing on a dusty pitch like that, a darker, why not? Yeah. Why not go out there and try and get as much as you can? I used to love going to, going to a lot of dusty wickets. As a quickie, not getting any success, oh, tell the captain I'm going to bowl some spin here and have a, have a wee dab with it. Good on him. <laughs> yeah. Go nuts, go nuts. <laughs> Silver Ferns captain Amelia Ann Ekianasio will miss January's Nepal Nations Cup in England. Mm. The 32-year-old's requested to sit out the start of the Ferns' 2024 international campaign, which begins when they take on England, Australia and Uganda in Leeds in London from January 21 to 29. Ekianasio, who has 70 caps capped in the Silver Ferns at the Nepal World Cup in South Africa, also guided the team to the Tiny Jamison Trophy win over England and a narrow Constellation Cup series defeat on goal difference to Australia in October. That loss will be felt, won't it? Mm. You know, like that combination with Nowicki was starting to show signs, particularly towards the end of that Constellation Cup uh, when they beat Australia back-to-back uh, at home. It's, yeah, it's devastating, and it's it's probably only going to get a little bit more more tougher for the uh, for the. Um, for the Silver Ferns, because we don't really know what uh, Nolene Tolder is going to be doing post-January, so this could be a double whammy for them. Mm, it could be. Interesting, though, when your captain requests to sit things out, I never think that's a good sign. Yeah, yep, for sure, but then listening to her on the news last night talk about her family situation and you know the sacrifice she's had to make, you can understand why a lot of these players make these changes and, and decisions in their life. Hopefully we don't lose her to the game forever, but um, right now she's made that decision. You've got to respect that decision. Yeah, you do. And uh, well, hopefully she's uh, back in the black dress uh, in, in the mm. not-too-distant future. Uh, Argentina captain Lionel Messi has been named Time Magazine's Athlete of the Year for 2023 mm. after winning the Ballon d'Or for a record-extending eighth time and elevating the profile of the sport in the US after his move to Inter Miami. Messi played a key role in guiding Argentina to their first World Cup title in 36 years when they beat defending champions France in the final in December last year. That Ballon d'Or, um, obviously, award that he won, mm. that was off the back of Argentina's World Cup winner, wasn't it? Yeah, basically, yes. Yeah. You think with Erling Haaland, with what he's done in the Champions League, uh, with Manchester City, a la everything, he's come out and said he should have won it. But basically... He's never going to win it with Manly and Messi up for the award. And uh, I was just thinking, yeah, there's a little bit of controversy about that. Were you, were you on the same picture? Who do you think you should have won it, Richtel? Well, I think it's, you know, you can't help where you're born. And the thing is, Norway mm. didn't make the World Cup, right? Yeah. Um, so uh, he, he wasn't there. And that, I, I, I see, is seen as the biggest stage, right? That is seen as yep, the biggest yep. stage. But he couldn't have done any more. He won the Premier League. He won the Champions League, he won the FA Cup, and he was yep. the golden boot in Europe. Like he, he scored more goals than anybody else in Europe. So it's hard to see what else he could have done mm. to win it. I, I respected Lionel Messi's comments about how he's come out and said he should have won it. Um, but on the flip side, he didn't. And Lionel Messi, the man that he is, like, there was nothing better than watching Argentina lift that trophy. It was so cool to see Lionel Messi finally deliver the trophy back to them since uh, Maradona, the late Maradona. So, um, yeah, well-deserved, but uh, I know a lot of people out there would have been chanting for Erling Haaland to get it. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the thing is that there was, I, I, mm. I think there's a certain amount of it that, that's like, oh, you, you know, I know it's particularly the the real big, you know, it's quite a, kind of funny, isn't it, how 
uh, it's changed a wee bit that people tend to, particularly the younger generation, I find. Like now I'm an old man, I can say that. The young, the kids these days, man. But they 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 they, uh, <laughs> they they tend to follow players rather than support a team, and so they, they became this thing where you were either Ronaldo or you were Messi. Oh, mate, you're not wrong. My son's even doing it. I'm Ronaldo, you're Messi. I'm like, how do you know then? <laughs> YouTube, mate. YouTube. Bloody YouTube. So, so there's that as well, and that that that's kind of uh, so. There was a lot of chat from the Ronaldo fans that it was all just a have uh, to get Messi up over the top of Ronaldo because I think Ronaldo. What about the latest with six. Ronaldo? What What about the latest uh, accusations with Ronaldo about the Binance uh, NFT situation? He's been in. He's, I think he's getting fined or getting sued for millions and millions of dollars because the the stuff he did with Binance and and the whole money that they raised and everything like like there's gonna be a lot of athletes out there now that got off got into the NFT world and we've seen what's happened to that. Oh mate's got be absolutely packing themselves, aren't they? Oh I would say so. I mean there was uh, I was trying Mm. to remember who it was. There was somebody who had bought some NFT token uh, back when they first came out and he'd bought it for something like ten grand because he thought it was going to be worth, like, you know, it was going to make him a million at some point. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, last I saw, which was probably a couple of months ago now, it was worth about five bucks. Yeah. Well, that's Justin Bieber, mate. He bought a board ape NFT for millions of dollars. I think it's worth 40 grand now. Yeah. Yeah. So it's <laughs> Are like, you into crypto? No. No. It's, a, it's, it's, it's like Monopoly money. It's not real. So I don't, I don't, mm. it has no substance. Like, you know, money has got gold as the gold standard, right? So you've got something to measure it against. What's crypto? Some, some, yeah. some nerd's imagination. That's all no, that it's is. Just, it's, it's non-regulated uh, cash. From, no, I don't, I don't understand anything about it, but I've just seen a little bit of yeah. resurgence lately with Ethereum and Bitcoin. I reckon Bitcoin's going to go to five hundred thousand, mm. half well, a million. I just this don't year, understand next ha- year. I just don't understand how it's anchored in value. Like there's nothing to value it against. It's just what people are willing to pay. It's like the ultimate pyramid scheme. That's what it looks like to mm. me. Uh, it's like everything, you know. When when there's demand for it, mm. it goes up in value. There's only going to be twenty three million bitcoins ever made, and the demand's coming out. So if you're one of the first whales that collected bitcoin, I think you know if you had a th- you could have bought a thousand for for a hundred bucks or something like that back in the early days. If you had a thousand now, it'd be worth what nearly a hundred million. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, like, <laughs> I just don't like you said, right? It's the mm. it, it's the supply and demand, and so you look at it, and who are they getting to champion it? People like Ronaldo, mm. people, basket top NBA players. It's all about cult of personality oh, driving driving the value of it, that, right? That, yeah. They 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 got a lot of these personalities. To, uh, to throw their hats in the ring with NFTs, and NFTs has bottomed out big time. It's slowly making a comeback. The OG projects like, uh, you know, your Bored Apes and, and your Mutant Xs and things like that, I should know. I've got a couple, no, no, no Bored Apes, but they're, they're making a wee comeback. But, yeah, those are the ones that are going to be stung. Yeah. Crypto is is totally different, I think. I, I think there's a market out there. It's non-regulated, you know. It hasn't got any control from the banks and uh, and so on. Like I know very limited about it. If you know a little bit more, let us know. Double eight, double three, because I got nothing, yeah. no understanding. But I do, I do enjoy it. Mate, so long as you enjoy it, it's just like basketball trading cards, isn't it? 
It's like my punting, mate. I've got no idea, but I'll have a go. <laughs> Bunnings Trader here to help you with a new phone service, 134 Trade. Call 0800 134 872 for support on all things trade. And a couple of quick texts here. Uh, hasn't Nichols got an average of 17 in the subcontinent from Ori? Yeah, it's just under, actually, about 16.8. Yeah. And then Kevin said, Morning, Izzy. I watched us bat last night. It was not pretty. Latham, mm. 20 balls for four runs. Once again, Williamson basically yep. was opening. Um, if Nichols has an average against spin of 15 and 25 overall, not the figures a number four should have, we have to bat last on this, a leader 50-plus, or it'll be lights out. Mm, totally agree, mate. It's going to be a big old day today. We need to wag that tail and uh, put some runs on the board. Uh, it just shows that maybe 172 was a competitive score yeah. on that pitch. Exactly. It, exactly. Mm. They're, they're, I mean, I, like I said, going to bed last night thinking, sweet, not, rolled them for 172, mm. we cushedy. Yeah, not so much, not so much. Uh, 17 away from seven when we come back, love racing. 12 away from 7 o'clock on Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. Keep your texts rolling through Double eight, double three. A reminder, we have a Chemist Warehouse fragrance pack to give away for the text of the day as well. Plenty of contenders so far. And uh, if you keep them rolling through, you could be in the draw as well. Find a thoroughbred race day at events.loveracing.nz. What do you got for us, Izzy? Well, today's a day. Obviously, spoke about Mad Max yesterday. It's racing in race four today. Uh, it's past, I think it's paying about $3.20. So have a wee look at that. But Tiako Racing are hoping they can whet their appetite for group racing at Trentham on Saturday with a couple of entries at New Plymouth and Rickerton earlier in the week. New Zealand's leading stable will take three runners to New Plymouth's Thursday meeting. That is today. We're top. Juvenile Fellini and Stella Plus Splendida will be looking to return to winning form in the Bunnings New Plymouth LTD 1200. Fellini, a place getter in last year's Karaka Million two-year-old, is fresh up and ready for his midweek assignment with three trials while Stella Splendida is second up following an unplaced effort over 1,000 metres at Terenikau last month. They are both talented enough on their day and meet a very winnable race. It is down to top five runners now, Burgesson said. It will be good to see them run well and get a bit of confidence and we can make some more serious plans from there. More than ready, more than ready, Philly Mita Peak is set to make her debut at the Taranaki Associated Cleaners 3-year-old 1100 metre and Burgesson said is looking forward to getting uh, a line on Fortuna Syndicate raced Philly. She showed us a little bit earlier on but has taken a little bit of time and she'll be ready to benefit from the run. She has drawn a nice enough alley and there aren't very many 1,100 metre maidens, so it looks a nice race to kick her off in. So a couple out there today that you can cast your eye out, particularly in the Tiako colours with Sam Burgesson. But I've got some news, uh, all you racing fans. Rose Hill Racecourse is set to be sold. It is going to be sold, and the race course will be developed into two and a half, uh, 25,000 homes and a new metro station. I know you have a ton of memories at Rose Hill. I was lucky enough to be able to attend there to watch a tissue stay in the gates when it uh, raced over there. wasn't ideal. wasn't a great memory, but there you go. Rose, Rose Hill is set to be uh, sold to be redeveloped into 25,000 homes and a new metro station. And remember, today is Kempi's Kicker. Well, or you can rename it to Izzy's Donation, Daggy's Donation, whatever you want to call it. Double eight, double three, a $50 bonus bet up for grabs. We will pick two 
options that you send through, Ricardo and myself, and we'll chuck that into a multi. And I promise you today is the day that I will pick the right one. Because Ricardo picked the right one last week. I faltered with Mary Louise still running around the track and uh, didn't get that done. So send them through. Double eight, double three. Your options for Kempe's kicker. Or it could be another donation from Daggy. And Cam from Cambridge. Oh, you've seen a wee multi there as well. They don't have a little a dab at, mate. I feel like my luck is changing. And I feel like today's the day. So double eight, double three. Send them through and you'll be a part of it. There you go, double eight, double three. Be part of Kempi's Kicker Daggers donation. Grab your mates, get on course. Visit events.loveracing.nz to find a race day near you. We'll come back with more of your texts after this. 0800 150 811 or double eight double three is how you get hold of us. Uh, Jim from Tamuka's texted three, uh, throw on double eight double three. Good morning, everyone. Black Caps versus the Bangers should be over day two, three. What's the fastest result in Test cricket? Had to do some well, digging. Yeah, well, hey, look, it's drawn a result. I, I can't stand draws. Well, generally what that means is that something's happened like weather or whatever, and that means that right, there's only, yeah. yeah, so it's only X amount of balls bowled. But in terms of actually the shortest test to have a result was in 1932 between South Africa and Australia in Australia. Now, on day one, South Africa, uh, they, they batted first and were all out for 36 uh, mm-hmm. Then they bowled Aussie out for 153, yep. and it stumps on the first day. So they were in the second innings were five for one, right? So, <laughs> so you got 21 wickets for the day. The second day there was no play because of mm-hmm. rain. The third day was a rest day. Why you need a rest day like there? I don't know. And then on the third, uh, what what was actually the third day, but really was only the second day. Uh, South Africa were then rolled uh, for 45 and just 30 overs, so that was all over. So really, that was probably about a day and a half? 656 balls, 192.9.2 overs. Was that one? So that's the that's the smallest result. They used to have rest days in Test cricket back in the day. Yeah. I just <laughs> don't know heard. why you have one. I suppose having one after what would have been day two makes sense, but surely if your day two's rained out, then you just play on the rest day, don't you? Oh, that's a that's a rest day. That's a rest day. And just quickly on um, Brad's basketball results, you say, and Barry sent through one there. Did you get some gold? Did you get that gold? I didn't get that gold. <laughs> I missed that gold. <laughs> Mate, he said LeBron James, Giannis, and Durant to score 100 plus points, paying six bucks. Well, mm. they got 97 points. <laughs> and, then, and then Brad's come through with his uh, multi, uh, his. Power play yesterday, and they missed out because Giannis and uh, LeBron and Co did not get enough rebounds. I think they got 15, and they'll meant to get 20 combined. So uh, tough day for you, Brady. Go again, brother. Go again, mate. Yeah, it, it'll be there for you. It'll be there for you. Coming mm. up on the show, uh, we have got uh, plenty of chat, including uh, the EPL. There's a whole bunch of games on today. I, I see that Brad has texted three. Actually, his, his tip for uh, the kicker. Manchester United versus oh. Chelsea and United 1-0 win is paying $12. What do you reckon? Yeah, I mean, both teams are rubbish at the moment, so that would probably be about <laughs> right. 
it's probably it's not going to be pretty. It's not going to be pretty, but one nil sounds about right. Uh, so yeah, I don't I don't mind that. Don't mind that. Don't know if I'll take it. I'm not that brave. Uh, I wouldn't. Well, I wonder if Matt Reed will take it. Is he is he the one that's been banned from the press conference? No, <laughs> we'll have to ask him. We'll have to ask him. That's the first question. <laughs> have you been banned from Manchester United press conferences? Matt Reed is coming up after seven o'clock. Also, Peter McGlashan as well on the cricket right now. Though here is Araha with the latest in news for Kubota. Their in stock catalogue is out now. Kia ora, welcome in. This is Izzy and Kempi for breakfast, four past seven on your Thursday morning, and uh, it's Tradies Hour with nine days, so make sure you grab yourself a hell of a coffee from just $4.50 at your local night and day store. Coming up on the show, Matt Reid shortly, we're going to talk to English football with him, a bunch of Premier League games coming up today. There was a couple yesterday, including a big seven-goal thriller involving Arsenal and Luton Town. Uh, Peter McLashan, former Black Cap, is going to join us as well. We're going to talk some cricket with the Black Caps struggling in Bangladesh in that second test, 55 for 5 at Stumps on day one. Zach Swanick as well, one of our up-and-coming golfers, is going to join us after 8 o'clock. We'll catch up with Paulie Mawadi in that time as well. Uh, so all of that and more to come your way here on Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. But Matt Reid does join us now out of the UK. And Matt, uh, first question for you, have you been banned from Eric Ten Hag's press conferences? <laughs> No, I, I got pretty close um, with a uh, Sir Alex Ferguson one once when I asked a couple of impudent <laughs> questions. Um, but no, I have not been banned from a, an Eric Ten Hag press conference. Uh, although you never know, it could it could be on its way. What What do you feel about this, uh, Matt? Like the, these teams, these uh, influential figures controlling the narrative when it suits them? It, it's it's really dangerous. It's really, really dangerous. Um, th- there is a right of reply in certain circumstances. Um, but what happens now with, with internal media, as exists um, with uh, at Manchester United, at, at every um, sports brand that has social media um, profiles, then it means that the story uh, can be can destroyed um, by having this, uh, this long-form right of reply where the, where the brand publishes the content themselves and you have your story taken away from you. The, the, in this instance the journalists are absolutely within their rights if they have information they have a story mm. to run they get that story they get that story verified and they get it backed up um you know with sources which they're happy with they then run the story and you know whilst they're doing that at the point of publishing they can ask the uh, ask the the brand they can ask the football club to respond um but uh, but giving them advance warning for uh, anything negative about the club to come out is um, ludicrous well, there's plenty of negatives uh, in regards to Manchester United. I've been, you <laughs> yes. know, a, a fan from afar for a while now, and uh, look, I, the the, the calibre of coaches that they've had in the past has been pretty classy, considering, but they still haven't got the results. So, for you, is this a cultural cultural problem, a systemic problem in terms of Manchester United? Why they haven't been Getting the results, you think of Eric Ten Hag when he was at Ajax and uh, Ajax, sorry, over in over in Europe, and the results he had there to go to Manchester United and not get the similar results. Is there certain problems in the background? Yeah, I, I don't want to go too deep into this. I could talk about this for hours, is he? Um, but um, <laughs> for, as far as I, as far as I'm concerned, uh, with uh, the, the successful football clubs, especially football mm-hmm. clubs that are looking to rebuild. Um, Successful football clubs are the ones that have a structure and have a shared messaging right from the very top. 
And the best football clubs, the most successful clubs, the ones that overachieve or the ones that fulfill their potential to the absolute minimum um, are the clubs that have a chief executive um, who backs the manager and and who have a a structure, who have a senior board who back the manager. And all of them sing from the same hymn sheet and all of them have a shared drive and passion, messaging and focus. What's what's in play? And this is what what we've seen in recent years at at minnows at tiny clubs like Brighton and like Brentford, who are massively batting above their average. Brentford should be playing in League One or League Two, for goodness sake, and they're a mid-table Premier League side. And that's achieved because of the structure, because of the ownership and because of the manager all being on the same page. And the players knowing this and the agents who operate with them know this. There is a shared, there is a unity, there is a shared model. At Manchester United, that doesn't exist. It just simply doesn't exist. There is there is uh, apathy from the very top. The reasons why managers can hang on for as long as they can typically is because as long as the share price isn't massively affected as long as the um as long as there aren't huge headlines coming out of the place constantly of negativity and as long as the results don't mean that that the club looks like it's going to be missing out on all european competitions then nothing will change, uh, and that and that apathy has created these problems at the club. I, I'm I'm not blaming uh, Eric Ten Hag for this. I mean, potentially Eric Ten Hag um, is more suited um, because of his background at Ajax and with the Eredivisie and the length of time that he'd been there and the structure mm-hmm. that was around him. Potentially, he does better with those smaller ego players, with having that huge yeah. support network, etc. But it's it's the structure at Manchester United which is the problem. Do you think that structure is going to change when Jim Ratcliffe finally uh, agrees that twenty five percent takeover? I, I think there's a there's a lot of football football fan, a lot of Manchester United fans, should I say, are not uh, are not that excited about the takeover of uh, Jim Ratcliffe because it will continue under the the the, uh, the, the overarching power and the uh, the shareholding of the Glazer family. Um, however, uh, I, if I were a Manchester United fan, I would be extremely excited about it. What the, what the Glazers want is uh, more money to be coming into their pockets. That will happen with Glazer. What will happen with sorry with um, Sir Jim Ratcliffe's investment? But there will also be a focus. He's going in there because he wants to achieve some success. He wants this play thing. It will be something that he really wants to focus on and get right. And his eyes will be fully and firmly fixed on it, even though he isn't the big um, dominant power that exists at the club. It's only a part, a partial only partial um, share value. Um, I think it will really improve. I think it will massively improve. And I think he will essentially be um, the uh, the king in waiting um, for them just as soon as uh, as soon as he can convince them, which might take a long time to uh, to let go of their shares. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be interesting to see how this all plays out. But yeah, they need to get the structure right because it's certainly behind the scenes is the problem. I see Ten Hag trying to uh, you know stamp his authority over to the Jaden Sancho situation, uh, and I think that's kind of led to where we are now with uh, all these stories yes. coming out in the press. So let's talk about some of the games we've got on today, because uh, for me, I look at this and I like I can see some upsets today. I can see a Brighton team that's got 10 players that either suspended or injured losing at home to Brentford. They haven't been the Brighton we saw last year. I can see Agreed. Aston Villa upsetting Manchester City. It's at Villa Park. There's no Rodri. Uh, Doku's under doubt, and there's no uh, Jack Grealish. Uh, they, they've been leaking goals, Manchester City. Those two games are, are, are really interesting for me. And the new manager bounce, will it affect Liverpool when they go to uh, take on Sheffield United at Bramall Lane? Well, if ever there was going to be a, a, a new manager who could who could create a bounce, it's Chris Wilder. Um, 
Sheffield United are um, are two different teams um, at present, and and what's 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 happened under the uh, the previous managership managership with uh, with Paul Heckingbottom is that he's created he's ma- a, a huge success story there. Sheffield United should not have been promoted. Sheffield United were in all kinds of financial chaos. Sheffield United would probably be in administration now if they hadn't been promoted and would probably have been sold. Um, He's he's worked a miracle to get that group of players, a group of aging players and uh, unremarkable players, to get them promoted. He's then lost his two best his, his two best players because of the sales strategy at the club. Um, but the man who's coming in is somebody who is a, uh, a us against the world kind of manager in Chris Wilder. And I, what I I would suggest is that they wouldn't have lost. They wouldn't have been spanked by a, a fellow um, relegation rival in Burnley this weekend if Chris Wilder had been in charge. That's not to say Eckingbottom's not a good manager. He certainly is um but wilder is better set with this group of players um maybe with this lack of flair that exists with this workmanlike kind of structure um he's he's the better better guy to create some uh, some um, some fight and some spirit it would be an enormous thing for him to come in and after a couple of days although he's been there behind the scenes for a few days um it would be an enormous thing for him to manage to uh, to turn over liverpool um but yeah don't rule it out um Liverpool are, are leaking goals themselves at the moment. Uh, they're missing Joel Matip, who's one of their first choice centre backs, um, and uh, and, a, and a, a really hard scrapping uh, Sheffield United team could cause them some problems. But I would be very surprised. I would still expect Liverpool to win. Well, speaking of scrapping, how how much scrap did Luton Town have yesterday when they took on Arsenal? Obviously, Arsenal, Declan Rice breaking the hearts of Luton Town. But you look at the stats. And Luton Town only had uh, six shots and four on target to be able to score three goals against where Arsenal had 23 shots on goal and made a hell of a game of it. Yeah, it was it was a great game. There've been so many good games this season. I think it's uh, been the best start to a Premier League um, campaign that I can remember for a for a very very long time with so many uh, two threes, three fours, etc. The funny thing with it it was that 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 goal that won it from Declan Rice was a Luton-type goal. When a ball played and the ball swung into the box, um, Rice Rice leaping like a salmon and guiding the header in uh, inside the back stick. Um, And that's what two of the goals that had been scored um, by Luton before that point, the first two goals for them, had been those um, dominant uh, aerial goals, which is where they are really strong. Um, It was fantastic. I thought thought Ross Barkley, uh, a player who I know fairly well from over the years um, has, re- has started to show over the last month that he is somebody who actually is willing to graft and willing to, and he has the fight to go out there and say, actually, I'm a bit of a player here. I might have been invisible for the last three to four years, but actually I can still uh, I can still create problems for really good uh, defensive midfielders and centre backs. Um, and he was a real key player in creating that, that kind of occasional chaos for Luton. But there's also that detail of you know as you, you've referenced the number of chances that uh, that Arsenal have and they do shoot from outside the box they do try from greater distance and many of them are half and quarter chances um, which were, were less likely to be scored than scored but it's still that lack of a lack of a real true um, finisher in the box who who which they're missing that's what that's what they're short of but they do have fights well, we've got all those games to come this morning. Uh, Villa, Man City, Crystal Palace, Bournemouth, Sheffield United, Liverpool, Fulham Forest, Brighton, Brentford. And then the late kickoff is uh, it's it's train wreck versus trash fire, Manchester United versus Chelsea. How do, <laughs> how do you see this going? 
it's wonderful, isn't it? I mean, this this is this is the perfect it's the perfect match in this situation at, at, at this current time with how things are going for the clubs. Um, Manchester United are, are on an, on a, a bit of a shocker, really, as far as their home form is concerned. I'm, I'm trying to think what the what the recent record is, but um, I think it's three of their last five home Premier League matches. That's Premier League matches um, they've lost. And that's absolutely incredible. This is theatre of dreams. This is the fortress that is Old Trafford, and they've lost three of their past five Premier League Premier League home matches. If they if they lose a fourth one, a fourth in six, um, then that's when the pressure is seriously going to be mounting. And Chelsea have got the players who can create these problems for them. Of course, Man United are still missing uh, a number of uh, key defenders. Some of them uh, allegedly the um, the likes of Rafa Varane. Um, it's because of certain issues behind uh, and behind the scenes. Lissandro Martinez, who's probably the most important centre-back, is also missing and, and has been long-term. Still no Casemiro, no Eriksen. I mean, they're missing a number of players. But they do have some of those grafters and battlers back. I expected when Luke Shaw returned, and he's looked good, but I expected when Luke Shaw returned, that would make a big difference to the back line, but at left-back rather than at centre-back. Uh, and the big news from today is uh, Harry Maguire, uh, the much maligned Harry Maguire is the Premier League player of the month for November. So that's a real big thing for his confidence, even though there was a bit of a campaign behind the scenes by Manchester United to get people to vote really, really big and back Maguire. Um, as far as Chelsea are concerned, they've, they've got Reese James back. Um, they're going to be missing Conor Gallagher because of suspension. Um, but they've got a lot of their players now available. Uh, and even though uh, they, they haven't got a great record against United in recent times, um, I think something like um, it's more than 10 games since Chelsea have last beaten, um, have last beaten Manchester United. Um, and that was at home. I think Chelsea have got a real chance tonight and the pressure is massively on. Uh, if I had to predict a result in this, I would certainly back in Chelsea out of the two. Yeah, it's interesting. If Chelsea can keep our players on the pitch, they've got the worst record in the Premier League in terms of discipline. <laughs> How's this? 14 games, they've got picked up 47 yellow cards and three reds. Yeah, yeah They're not Millwall. They, they What's have going got- on? <laughs> no, no, and and they've and they've got a lot of players, a lot of running players. The midfield, you wouldn't look at it particularly and say it's that uh, that cynical in the way that it plays. But there is a, there is a little bit of desperation in the structure. Quite often, their midfielders are chasing back and, and just trying to nick a ball because they've been dragged out of position by the, the formation and by the kind of attacking nature of their attacking three. So. Um, yeah, there are there is there are those desperate moments, and the fact that you've got um, Reese James coming back from a suspension, and now you've got Conor Gallagher suspended, um, alarm bell should be ringing a little bit about the structure. I do wonder about Thiago Silva about how long he can he can continue to play at the level that's expected of him um, as, uh, as a centre-half and as a centre-half who's relied on pace for so many years. Um, he's increasingly not able to get around in the way that he was, and we've seen him beaten for movement over the first five yards a few times this season. Um, further red cards and yellow cards could well follow. It's just a very open formation that they play. Um, and and personally, I think I, would, I believe Icol will always playing at centre-half, and then one of the other 45 options that they've got at centre-half to be coming in and playing occasionally as rotation with Thiago Silva to to mean that he has those fresher legs for the bigger games. Hey, Matt, I'll just 
Just quickly on in regards to fanfare and, and fans having their opinion and what's going on in terms of football, there's been a huge shift here in terms of the way the referees have been handled from a, uh, from a fan's point of view. Have you seen major adjustments from footballing world and, and how holding fans accountable for some of the vile and, and trolling that goes on in terms of social media? Not much, no. Um, mm. there, I mean, there is there's been there's been a pushback um, from Howard Webb, who's head of the uh, um, the PGMOL and the uh, and the, the officials in this country, uh, and there's been a, an attempt to re grab the narrative um, with a, a regular program that's running uh, in the UK, where Howard Webb speaks to Michael Owen, former player, and they uh, they investigate and they explore the reasons why um, certain decisions have been taken, and the, you get some audio then from um from key moments and, and uh, big moments where var is being used to explain so often the, is- the issue with football and i'm not panning the knowledge of fans because many fans are very informed on this but it's the fact that the fans don't understand the rules to the depth that the referees yep. do that's the kind of a key detail but when you have moments like what happened with the manchester city match at the weekend when jack grealish is herring away uh, and the referee has blown the whistle has called the game back and there isn't that explanation in depth and in detail from officials to say this is why this has happened to justify and to explain it creates massive problems. Um, so you, you you find all kinds of um, horrible messages online directed at officials, and there needs to be more to be done at, done to address that. I know that um, that senior figures um, in the British game or in the English game, shall I say, and 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 across Britain, um, there it is being it is being continually um, looked into um, with protection for the referees. The problem is. Um, that there is so many access points now um, uh, to the information about referees, but also to also to about uh, ways of expressing that and like and building this kind of storm of anger against officials. Um, you're seeing at the moment with uh, uh, the uh, the cards being held up at uh, Goodison Park for the, for the previous um, for, for the match against Manchester United after they were they had ten points taken off their uh, off their total. It was all it was all calling that it was uh, it was a, a conspiracy and it's a corrupt uh, Premier League all of this all of these pink signs with the Premier League logo and corrupt written underneath it there is there's a genuine belief among a lot of fans that the world is against them um, and and that, that creates a lot of rage and anger but there needs to be an answer to that by officials to be addressing those things and not just ignoring when things are happening doesn't help when an influential figure like Jose Mourinho is doing what he does post-match. Uh, that doesn't set a great example in terms of referees being treated uh, fairly. Mate, Matt, we appreciate you coming on the show and uh, and sharing your knowledge on the EPL, everything football. Thank you so much. I'm sure you'll be welcome back to Eric Ten Hag's press conferences. And if not, mate, <laughs> uh, you just better pick your words wisely. I'll take it as a warning alright good stuff Matt there you go uh, Matt Reed with us uh, talking some English Premier League and some of your big games this morning Izzy and uh, I'll tell mm. you what I reckon I reckon there is some coin to be made on this morning's games because I don't think uh, they're in the run at the moment I think of 8 games in 30 days because there's heaps of games mm-hmm. um, coming into Christmas I mean a lot of these teams only played 2 days ago uh, as I mentioned, Brentford are paying 375 to beat Brighton. 
Brighton got 10 players out, either suspended or injured, including the captain, okay. Lewis Dunk. So I think that's a, that's an option. Well, you could look at the draw at 375. Wouldn't be too bad either. Bournemouth are in pretty good form. They go to Palace. They're still paying 330. I don't mind that. And Villa yeah. are paying $4.50. They're at home to Man City. And the guy that runs Man City's midfield and, and, and screens their defence is Rodri, and he's suspended for the game. Are you throwing a wee multi out? Well, I don't know if I'd multi them, but I'd I'd look at it because I don't know. All, <laughs> I don't know if all three would come in, but I would look because at those individually. You're usually getting rivered. Which yes. one would you take out? What one would I take out? Ah, uh, probably. It's a really tough question, actually. Maybe the Bournemouth one. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you're going Brentford to beat Brighton, mm-hmm. Villa to beat Man City. Yeah. Beautiful. Have a look, Have a at, look that. at that. Have a look. There you go. It is 7.23 here on Izzy and Kempe for breakfast. Thanks to Chemist Warehouse, keeping you healthy this summer. It's 7.29. You can get us on double eight double three or 0800 150 And uh, we are looking for options for Kempe's kicker. And uh, that football chat's to spark the fuel into life, uh, Dagger. Mm, there is. Happy Thursday morning, boys. Kicker is a draw today between Manchester United and Chelsea. $3.50. Uh, from Jamie in Wanaka, and morning guys, I'm picking a draw, $3.30 in the women's football, Arsenal second, v Chelsea first, or you can take a two-leg multi with the Phoenix to win, that is Barry, paying $5.94, so a few of them coming through, 1-0, two men uh, to United, paying 12 bucks. so a couple of options, keep them coming through, double eight, double three, we'll multi it up, we'll get you paid, come on. Yeah, keep them keep them rolling in. Uh, time to catch up now with the Araha with news for Kubota. Kubota's in-stock catalogue is out now. 28 away from 8 o'clock here on Izzy and Kempe for breakfast. Kennard's hire makes your job easy. Kennards.co.nz. The Crusaders have announced they're going to face the Highlanders in a pre-season showdown in Methven on Friday the 16th of February. It'll be the third pre-season match for the Red and Black, who'll be fresh from their Northern Tour fixtures against Munster on Sunday the 4th of Feb and the Bristol Bears on Saturday the 10th of February. What do you make of them going uh, north for a few games, Izzy? Yeah, I absolutely love it. I know people have been screaming to see our top teams going up to the north and, and matching against the best up there and... I know it's not ideal because it's the start of our season. Uh, whatever the season is up in the north um, doesn't really fit the global calendar we're after, but that's yeah, a start. And Oli Jaeger's playing for Munster, so he'll be taking on his, his former team. That'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. But I think, yeah, I think it's great. Yeah, all right, looking forward to those games. Uh, the Bucks have put up their highest points total of the season in a 146-122 victory over the New York Knicks. Come on, Brad. Come on, what's going on there? Levy went against the Bucks. <laughs> Means they get to the NBA's in-season tournament uh, on Thursday in Las Vegas, where they'll face the Indiana Pacers. New recruit Damian Lillard and Giannis Antetokounmpo combined for 63 points. Uh, of those, uh, well, the whole team as a whole were just raining three pointers. They made 23 three pointers, is he, out of 38 from the field, over 60 percent success rate in their three-point shooting. Uh, and LeBron James found his form in the Lakers' 106-103 win over the Phoenix Suns. He got 31 points to lead the team in scoring. He also racked up 11 rebounds, 8 assists and 5 steals. The Lakers meet the Pelicans in the other semi-final. It's bloody great. I love that little in, in-season competition that they got going on. It creates a little bit of excitement, something different for the for – the, I know they've got – It's kind of like an FA Cup competition, long. isn't it, sort of thing? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and it's good. It, it drives excitement, uh, you know, engagement from the, from the fans. And as a player, you're playing for something, 
you know, obviously it's a long season drag over 80 odd games in the regular season. You feel like, just going off topic, you feel like other competitions could do something similar, particularly down here. Like, could we see something in the Super Rugby to drive engagement, excitement, fanfare, you know? Mm, yeah. A little in game season, yeah, in competition. You know, I, I actually thought that what, uh, was something they should do, which is, I mean, it's not 15s, but I think it, it could really, really work. If we want to get, mm. uh, if we want to really develop our sevens program, right? Yep. Each Super Rugby team has a sevens program, and then mm. either pre-game or at half time, you have sevens matches, and like the the yeah. sevens matches travel. So, like you have, uh, you know, f- all five teams will go to Christchurch one week and then in two weeks' time all five teams go to Auckland and then Wellington and whatever and they play tournaments like so they're playing a series throughout the season and it gives people uh, extra entertainment and another reason to get there early as well. Absolutely love it. I think it's a great idea. Um, my only concern is it's a totally different game, yeah, com- uh, conditioning-wise, the structures and, and so on. So you'd have to dedicate these players to, to be training for sevens yeah. throughout. Totally. Um, or, or you could just say, look, basically going to do some conditioning games here, get out there and have a game. Yeah, yeah I could see some, some positive signs for some, it, for some sure. Some that. We need to do something, you know, just something different. Like the NBA, they are a powerhouse, but it's something unique and it, and it, and it drives engagement. Well, I'd love to see the NBL do that, have, have that sort mm. of tournament. You know, I think, I think it works well. Uh, Newcastle United keeper Nick Pope left the pitch with a shoulder injury, injury late in the win over Manchester United on Sunday and could be out for as many as four months, according to Eddie Howe, the manager. Uh, Pope 31 has started every Premier League and Champions League game for Newcastle this season, but the injury will see him sidelined for the foreseeable future. Howe told reporters he's had a couple of appointments with specialists, still waiting for the final news on what's going to happen. We suspect he's going to have to be operated on and roughly out for four months, but it's something we expected straight after the game. That's a big loss for Newcastle. That's a huge loss, mate. Yeah, absolutely huge loss, and that's actually something that Matt actually did mention in that Liverpool game is uh, not only is Joel Matip out, but also Allison, the Brazilian keeper, is out injured at the moment as well. So uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see how uh, they deal with that going forward. Uh, there you go; those are sports news headlines for you. Ken Attire makes your job easy. Talk to someone who has taken the Ken oath today. It is, of course, Tradies Hour, so make sure you grab yourself a hell of a coffee from just four dollars fifty. Up next, we're talking cricket. Coming up 19 away from 8 o'clock, and it is a uh, tradies hour, of course. So grab yourself out of a coffee from night and day from just $4.50 to fire up your morning. No doubt fired up after watching that display last night. It is Pete McGlashan who joins us now. Uh, Pete, were you like me, 172 all out Bangladesh? You're thinking, all right, Black Caps back on track. We'll, we'll draw the series now. <laughs> oh, I'm not sure about that. I mean, it's one of those differences where it's going to be hard regardless of... Um whether you're batting or bowling, but geez, I didn't expect it to go as poorly as it did. Yeah, I mean, 55 for five at stumps. Uh, you're certainly looking great. I mean, changes, there were a lot of talk about changes to this team. They didn't really happen, at least not the changes most people thought would happen. Uh, just Ish Sodi getting dropped uh, and Mitch Santner coming back. And what did you make of that? Yeah, I think it's a shame. I mean, I think, you know, we saw um, Richard Ravindra do so well in the subcontinent and the World Cup. Yes, it was in a different format. But, um, you know, when you're playing in these surfaces, you need the team that's um, 
that's best against spin. Obviously, they felt like maintaining uh, Nichols in the team and using his experience was going to be critical. Yes, he's you know done well in the past, but it's, it's been a little while since he's done well uh, in a black shirt or in a, in a black caps um, shirt. So, yeah, frustrating um, that they haven't given the, the young guys a go. And you know what really can they learn from the rest of this series over there? Morena, Pete, great to have you on the show, brother. Um, mate, just just quickly on your experiences playing spin, what are we doing so wrong in terms of our top order failing over there at darker? It looks challenging. What adjustments would you make to technique to be able to play the spin better? Yeah, mate, that's a great question. It's one of those things where um, I guess it is a very foreign condition, you know, not just literally, mm. but in, in compared to what we're used to back home. This is probably the better lineup that we've got. Um, guys like Latham and Williamson and Daryl Mitchell mm. are very adept at bowling, uh, uh, batting against spin. Um, but we just saw a little bit of indecision last night. Guys kind of caught on the crease or, or not getting well enough forward, not committing to the shot. And I guess it's probably that um, that internal dialogue, that hesitancy, um, which is shining through, uh, you know, that combination between the psychological and the physical. Some interesting bowling figures coming out of this. I mean, uh, I know that, uh, uh, t- you know, it's not... Uh, I guess the backyard for, for, for pace bowlers, but Tim Southey, have you seen figures like that before in a test? 5.2 overs, no runs, one wicket? Yeah, the longer it went on, people started to try and go to the record books and be like, hang on a minute, is this something that no one's ever done before? Um, yeah, pretty remarkable. Uh, Tim's one of those guys, though, with his experience, um, you know, he can change his game based on the surface, um, and so rolling his fingers across it, bowling wicket to wicket. But yeah, it was pretty remarkable. Um, you know, pretty unhelpful for fast bowlers, that type of surface, so not surprising to see Jamison um, you know, just with the four overs and the ball going to the spinners, but it's going to be a, a long, hard slog. I doubt this test will be going the five days, that's for sure. It might become the, the shortest test match to have a result ever. We spoke about it earlier. It was 1932 was the shortest test in history. It was between England and South Africa, Australia, England and Australia. But um, it was an eventful day. Mushfika Rahim, bizarre dismissal. What did you make of that? Yeah, it's an odd one. Um, they only changed the rule a few years back. I think 2017 mm. they got rid of handled ball. Um, yeah, it's uh, uh, kind of instinctive. It's one of those things that you do. It's a little bit like, you know, I guess some of those other rules in the game where um, if your brain is, you know, given autopilot, it do something without thinking about the rule box. And um, unfortunately, sometimes you know, when you're thinking about defending the wickets, you just instinctively reach out. And if if he had his you know, hand on the bat, it's allowed, and if he takes his hand off the bat, it's not allowed. So it's, been, um, it's a rare dismissal to get out of the mm. field. Um, but Bangladesh having a run of it, obviously, with that timed out in the World Cup and then this happening in this match, um, yeah, a bit of an odd one. Spirit of the game come into question. Like, what, as a player, you want to compete, and obviously, Karma's come back and, and bit Bangladesh in the backside. But were you in agreement with that uh, reason to appeal and, and the decision to be made? Yeah, I've only seen the stills of it. I didn't manage to get any um, video footage of it. Mm. It's a bit difficult with the broadcast being on. Three it wasn't hitting. It, it wasn't going yeah, anywhere near the, the stumps. Yeah. So I mean, I think it's it is one of those questions that you do ask. Um, yeah, they have almost painted themselves into a bit of a corner um, in the same way that Angelo um, Matthews, you know, was pretty grumpy when he got given out with the timed out. So 
um, you know, maybe this is karma coming back to bite the Bangladeshis. Okay, today we're going to show a bit of fight. What would you like to see from the Black Cats? We've still got some quality in there. Glenn Mit- uh, Phillips and Daryl Mitchell at the crease. Patience, key, work it around, build it, build some confidence within the squad. What's a competitive yeah. total? Oh, I mean, anything over 250 they'll appreciate from this position. Um, Daryl Mitchell's a fighter. You know that he won't give up easily. Glenn mm. Phillips is probably the type of guy who will counterattack. It'll just be one of those days where... You need to be really clear what your plans are. You need to be absolutely committed to either option. Um, perfectly fine to defend, 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 and perfectly fine to attack, 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 but you can't do it. Um, you can't be indecisive. You can't kind of have a, a foot in each camp. So they'll need to work together as a partnership to work out which guys they maybe show a bit of respect for and then maybe have a crack at a few of the others to try and push some pressure on the lineup um, and make Bangladesh make some tough calls. I jokingly asked our producer, Robbie, who's a cricket nut this morning, and when I came in, I said, uh, what's the pitch going to do when it starts to break up? Um, and, and probably, if you're a New Zealand batsman thinking about the fourth innings of this, it's a nightmare scenario. Yeah, it is. Um, uh, but, you know, in these, in these types of games where it's unlikely to be full five days, you, you kind of almost can't um, use a traditional way of thinking with, you know, at this stage, on this day, the surface would normally do this. It becomes a bit of a lottery because 15 wickets fall on the first day. Um, the timelines get all out of whack. So, you know, New Zealand are probably going to be um, bowling again by later today. And then, you know, knows how long you have bat for. You could end up batting on or if um, New Zealand bat well today, um, you might end up batting on the fourth day. And so you're trying to weigh up, you know, is the pitch going to break apart faster then we would benefit from batting longer today. Um, maybe you're better off trying to bat fast today so that um, you're not having to bat later and later and later in, in, in the five days. So it does get a bit complicated and often you can outthink yourself with some of these things and forget about kind of the, the task at hand, which is trying to get a decent score on the, on the board. If New Zealand can get a big score, any, any runs that they get past Bangladesh in the first innings is obviously one less that they need to get in the second innings. So you want to be scoring as many runs as you can now so that you don't have as much to do in that fourth innings. Hey, mate, just India's coach and former uh, former player Rahul Dravid has come out and said that the pressure of needing to maximise World Test Championship points has led teams to prepare more result-orientated pitches. Do you think there's almost this is almost becoming too much home advantage? Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, test cricket has always been like that. I think it's something like 70 or 80%, regardless of whether you're playing Australia or South Africa or India. As long as you're playing at home, you've got a much higher chance of success. It's just the nature of test cricket, unfortunately. Um, I think one of the questions that is being raised is, you know, um, are Bangladesh and teams like that painting themselves into a corner by creating surfaces that only um, serve one type of bowler? So you're basically going to kill off any fast bowlers in Bangladesh if you decide that this is your only way of scoring points when you play at home. Um, I think India have done really well over the years of sort of moving away from that spin-dominated um, bowling lineup, and now they've got world-class fast bowlers as well, which means they have more success when they go overseas. So it is a bit of a gamble. When you're only playing a two-test series as well, you know, maybe it's worth the gamble. I think um, when New Zealand come back here, we've got, a, I think, a couple of two-test series and, and potentially a three-test later on in the summer. Um, you know, you're wanting to make sure that you do well 
Um, but the World Test Championship has, you know, made it more interesting. A lot of these games, no one even bothered to talk about if the World Test Championship wasn't happening. So it's a double-edged sword. Yeah, it is. It's interesting. Uh, just before we let you go, mate, there was a uh, Black Caps team for the Bangladesh ODIs announced today. Interesting. Um, so Tim Southey, Kane Williamson, Daryl Mitchell, Mitch Santner, Glenn Phillips, Devin Conway have all been rested because uh, they're only going to get home uh, the week of the first uh, game. Uh, Michael Bracewell, Matt Henry, Lockie Ferguson, James Neesham, Ben Lister, Henry Shipley, not considered due to injury. Trent Bolt made himself unavailable. That's a hell of a lot of players. Um, mm. So we've got, we're seeing a few few new names. Uh, Addy Ashok, the spinner out of Auckland, uh, is has been named. Josh Clarkson, the CD all-rounder. And Will O'Rourke, this big, tall fast bowler uh, from Canterbury. Uh, how much do you know about those guys? Not a hell of a lot, to be honest. Uh, Josh Clarkson, I do. Um, he was one of those guys who, I think from memory, he was just starting off when I was um, still playing. Um, but it's good to see the next generation coming through. Uh, yeah, I think the only way we can keep competitive in, um, if, if they're going to be playing you know, three formats quite close together is to have a, a broader base. And um, you know, as we saw with a couple of the recent youngsters like Ravindra come in, they're actually doing all right. You know, Daryl Mitchell is a guy who came in from domestic cricket, and everyone was surprised at how well um, he did when he came in. So, yeah, it's pretty tough. It's a long. They've also. It's they're not just coming back from Bangladesh. They're also a lot of those guys were also in India for the World Cup. So, it is quite a lot to um, have strung together. Um, and I guess in, you know, in that respect, if they're going to be playing well later in the summer, they probably do need a little bit of a break. But hopefully those guys that come in do well um, and it's not a negative experience for them. And New Zealand fans get a chance to um, you know, uh, see a few more players at the top level. Yeah, that's what we want to see. All right, good stuff. Thanks very much for coming on this morning, Pete. Go well and All enjoy good. the rest of the test day. Cheers, Pete. Thanks, Cheers, uh, yeah, there you go. Pete McGlashan there with us uh, talking cricket. We are... He used to teach me at school. Did he? Did, oh, He's my teacher I, at Parkville. I wish I'd known that. There would have been some other questions. <laughs> Is that why you held oh, this to now? Yeah, that's what I didn't tell you. He used to be a teacher at Parkville. And, uh, man, he was a, he was a legend, eh? Oh, he used to take us for our cricket team. Oh, yeah. He's obviously a, he's a fine wicketkeeper, too. Yeah, outstanding, mate. Outstanding. Oh, uh, pity. There was, that's an opportunity missed right he, there. he was one of the OG uh, wicketkeeper face guards. Back, oh yeah, back in the day. Back in the yeah, day, he had the Vero face guard. Yeah, looking like a, a base uh, baseball shortstop. Oh yeah, back yeah. back something. Yeah, interesting. Mm. Uh, innovator, innovator, Pete McGlashan. It is seven away from eight here on Izzy and Kippy for breakfast. Yeah, coming up uh, eight o'clock, and uh, in the next hour we're going to talk to up and coming golfer who was part of the uh, I think went to the Aussie PGA um, up in Brisbane and potentially the Australian Open as well. Uh, Zach Schwanick, uh, one of the upcoming uh, golfers in New Zealand out of the Hawks Bay, he is going to join us in the next hour. We'll also catch up with Paul Mawati in the next hour as well. And I want to get a handle on uh, one of Izzy's old coaches too, because Ronan O'Gara who was, I think, the assistant coach of the Crusaders in Izzy's last year at the Crusaders, is now at La Rochelle. Uh, but he has been given a one-match ban in the uh, by French rugby, which means he's going to sit out the game against Leinster, uh, his old team, uh, the first game of what used to be the uh, Heineken Cup, now the Champions Cup. Um, and it's the fourth time he has been suspended already uh, since he took over at La Rochelle uh, for things he's done and said against referees. And with the way that Johnny Sexton behaved and got that suspension before the World Cup, 
Got to wonder what it is about Irish tens. We'll ask Izzy about that in the next hour. As I said, though, uh, we're going to be talking golf real soon. You got any questions for Zach Schwanick? Get them through to us on double eight double three. In the meantime, here is Araha with the latest news. Thanks to Kubota, this in-stock catalogue is out now. Good morning, it is four past eight. Kia ora, welcome into Izzy and Kempi for breakfast here on SENZ. And uh, got a whole heap coming your way this hour. Keep your texts rolling through as well. We've got a Chemist Warehouse Fragrance Pack uh, to give away. We'll do that a little bit later in the hour, but it is for the best text of the day, and there have been some great texts come through. We'll get to more of those shortly. Uh, we're going to catch up with Paulie Mawadi and Zach Schwanick as well to talk some golf, uh, Izzy. And, mm. uh, I mean, I, I, just before we were, uh, just before the break, I was looking, I was reading a story. Uh, we'll get to, back to Zach and golf in a minute about Ronan O'Gara. You know, mm. since he's been at La Rochelle, he's been suspended four times for things he's done and said with referees, um, and uh, <laughs> he's just been given another one-week ban, which means the Champions Cup first game is La Rochelle versus yeah. Leinster. He he's going to sit in the stands <laughs> against his old team. Uh, he was your assistant coach, I think, in your last year at the Crusaders. Yeah. Was it was he a fiery bloke or? Yeah, he's very fiery, very vocal, but he's passionate. Mate. He just. Says what it is. As a coach, you you need that. And you got to remember last year, him and um, Johnny Sexton had a bit of a spat post the game of that Champions Final. Mm. So it's no surprises. It's no coincidence, really, that he's not available for this first game. It was all part of the plan. They don't want a backlash and want to see it all, all going out there uh, on on the field. So, yeah, mate, he's very vocal, very passionate, a lovely man. He's got a good heart. Where's his heart on the sleeve? You should have heard his pre-game chats. Wow, we they were fiery. Yeah, <laughs> outstanding. Outstanding. I'd love to hear one of those. Maybe if one of those fly-on-the-wall docos can capture one. Uh, we'll have to see. I'll okay. tell you off here. Okay, might not be safe for on here. Uh, yeah, a few beeps up. if I sit on here. <laughs> Excellent. Well, we're going to talk golf now, mate. And uh, do you want to introduce our next guest? Yeah, I had the privilege and honour of playing with this, uh, he's still a young kid, uh, Zach Swanick. Heard so much about him, being a fellow Hawks Bay ball myself, you, you hear a lot about these young kids coming through that are they're doing extremely well. Well, Zach Swanick is one of those kids, he, and when I say kid, he's only just finishing school, I think he left early because uh, he's that good at golf. And he's got a big career ahead of him. He's obviously back-to-back champion at uh, at high school level, under 19. He won it uh, this year down in Tamaru. He actually got a hole-in-one uh, in that final round, too, Takata, uh, to win that event by nine shots. He's obviously just played over at the Australian Open, and he had a hell of a first round card in five under. And he's on the line now. We're going to have a chat to him. Young Zach Swanick, how you doing, bud? Yeah, good, man. How are you? Yeah, good, good. It's it's been a few months since I've seen you. Plenty has been yeah, going on, mate. Um, look, just quickly, <laughs> tell us about that experience of playing at the Aussie Open, and after that first round, what was going through your head? Uh, well, it was, it was an awesome experience, mate. Um, just getting just getting the opportunity to go over there and play with those those big boys, and yeah, that that mm. first round it was a it was amazing. Everything everything felt like it was in my hands. Um, yeah, the swing was smooth. I had everything under control. Mine was clear. So, yeah, the mm. first day it went really, really well. Um, I was feeling pretty confident going into the second day. Um, but, yeah, we played the lake first, and then we went over to the Australian. Um, and we set off in the afternoon, and the thing that I felt different about the first day compared to the second day was just the atmosphere and the crowds. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, the crowd's definitely got to me. Um, the head started racing and the mind was going places that it shouldn't have. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it just ended uh, up with different ref- results, but... Uh, upon reflection, Zach, like have you, you've obviously spent a little bit of time with Adrian Hinari reacting, reflecting on on what went on. Have you made some adjustments? Um, yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna work on a little bit of the mental side, um, just trying to figure mm. out how to shut those big crowds off because I'd, I'd say further down the track they'll keep coming up, um, mm. and I just got to learn from this mistake and try to get better at it. Mate, you're a big time player, and the big time players want to play in front of the big crowds. You will take so much uh, experience from this uh, card, mate. I was watching it, and I was I was couldn't believe I was uh, unbelievable watching you card sixty seven. And you look at the names that you you bet out. You know, you bet out Rob McIntyre, Dan Hillier, players that are qualified for the Open. Yeah. That must have given yeah. you so much confidence. It did. It did. It made me feel pretty happy. Um, it just kind of made me realise that everyone. Everyone's basically the same. Everyone can do it. Mate, it's so good for your future. What about, I've just seen that you've, you've signed to go to Florida in 2024 to play at the college. Yeah, man. Yep, yep. So uh, that's, been, that's been a dream for probably two and a half years now. We, um, we started the college process probably my third year in high school. Um, started looking mm-hmm. at a few colleges and trying to get my name out. And yeah, Florida Florida was one of the last... last um, colleges who gave a bit of interest in me and yeah the um it was actually during the floods during the floods in New Zealand um the college coach from Florida flew over and we met up in Manawatu Wanganui um and he came out and watched me play a few rounds in the Manawatu Charles Thor event and we went out for dinner that night and he gave me an offer and I was saying nothing but yes Hmm. <laughs> uh, did, did, it, did it help get it over the line that you, you're sporting one hell of a Mississippi mud flap? And I'm pretty sure they love that in Florida. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kind of, kind of, kind of, mate. Yeah, what, what do you know about the Gators? Because they've got a big football program, right? There's a big university you're going to. Oh, mate, it is huge. We uh, we went over for a visit in July, and honestly, um, we were walking under campus and. The football stadium holds like 90,000 people and it's like triple the size of Hawks Bay, mate, so it's going to be different. <laughs> it will be, mate. It will be. In terms of, you know, when you, you got to play a few rounds um, and, and the coach comes and, and, and watches you play, I mean, is he coaching you at the time? Is he telling you what he wants to see or uh, pointing out things he, he reckons you could improve on or was he literally just saying nothing and watching what you did? Uh, he was just saying nothing and just watching what, what I did because uh, I wasn't fully committed by them, so he can't he can't tell me anything because um, I verbally I verbally contact uh, signed the contract in February and I just filled out my files and signed the contract fully um, around mid November early November. So now it's now it's all go time um, and we can start talking about that side of that side of golf. So, so what does it look like when you're, you're over at Florida, you're at the college, in terms of golf, are you studying at the same time? I know a couple of others that, others that have done it. Nick Folk's been over there. You've got Denzel Aramia that's uh, yep. over in the States as well. Like, What does this pathway do for you, and what does it look like? Uh, it just gives you opportunities. Um, America does everything properly. Um, well, every, all of the big boys are over there. 93% of PGA Tour players come from college, so it's a pretty good pretty good cycle to go through if you want to become a professional golfer on the PGA Tour or live. Um, and it just, they just help you. Because um, if, if I was to try to go pro through Europe, 
and with my own pocket, it'll be costing a lot of money. Um, but to be able to get a full scholarship over to the University of Florida and have all those opportunities, have all those facilities there, um, it's just to create create opportunities and make it a little bit a little bit easier while I learn along the way. Feels like there's a whole bunch of Kiwis coming through, sort of around where you are at the moment in their careers. You know, we're seeing Sam Jones obviously uh, qualify for the DP World Tour, a bunch of others as well. What was that feeling like over in Aussie? Was it like that there was, uh, you know, the Kiwi crew while you were over there? Because there seemed to be quite a few. Yeah, yeah, there, there was probably about six, seven of us. Um, it was, it was pretty good to see. It was, it was a pretty good feeling knowing that a lot of well, little small, small home New Zealand. There's a lot of good players coming out of it, and. Yeah, um, it was it was a pretty home feeling. You, you could go up to them and have a good conversation. You want to feel left out because um, when you're surrounded by all those big pros, it's pretty easy to be be a little bit shy and left out, um, especially a 17, 17 year old amateur. Um, but yeah, it just, it just felt like home and felt a lot more comfortable with them there. Well, Zach, what does the next couple of months look like for you? Is New Zealand open on the cards? It will be. Um, New Zealand Open is definitely on the cards. Um, I'll try qualify for that one. I missed out. I missed out last year by one shot. So let's let's hope that doesn't happen this year, and I'll get in there. Um, but the next, right, the next you couple be... months, yeah, the next couple months, I miss the at the men's and individuals at the moment um, with the Hawks Bay men's team, and then we'll have a little break over Christmas, um, and then head over to Australia to play the Australian Amateur and the Master of the Am in January. Well, we've had a message from Chris. He said, who does Zach think is Hawke's Bay's main threat for the interprovincial title this year? Main street. Main threat. Yes, main threat. Oh, main yeah, threat. Threats. Oh, main threat. Oh, it's got to be Dougie Holloway, mate. Um, but our team, we, we lost to Auckland yesterday. Um, we, had a, we had a half against South in the first round. We bet um, Canterbury in the second round, and we lost to Auckland yesterday. So we got Aurangi and well, Aurangi, Waikato and North Harbour left. So we've got to get a couple of good wins under under our belt to try try and make semi-finals. And yeah, we'll go from there. Beautiful. Well, good luck, mate. Fly that Hawks Bay flag with, with pride. Uh, speaking of Hawks Bay, just quickly, Andrew Hinari, your coach, will he be continuing his coaching with you while you head on your journey overseas? Uh, he will be, yep. So the so the college coaches they kind of they coach you in a different way. So they kind of coach you with the mental side of golf and a little bit of short game chipping and putting, just a few tricks. Um, but every every athlete over there sticks with their um, coach they had originally. Zach, uh, before I let you go, I've got to ask you this question. I know you've played a few rounds of golf with Izzy, and uh, you know he, he, he just the one. He, he talks he talks a big game, but you you've seen him in action. <laughs> I did. I do not talk a big game, mate. Uh, I hit the yeah. odd one big, but that's it. Oh, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Izzy Long Dag, he calls himself. Uh, but <laughs> um, is there anything that you noticed in that eighteen holes that you can say now on the phone? You go, hey, mate, you might want to try this to improve your game. You got any yeah, tips rip for me Izzy, out, mate? Give me some tips. Mate, you hit a big ball, you can get it a lot down there, so all you got to do is work on those wedges. <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly, oh. if you work on those wedges, mate, that handicap will drop down. Guarantee. Okay, there you go. Just a little tip on my wedges. What is the key, mate? Because I tend to chunk it at the moment. Oh, I'm, did you, what, what did you it's notice? too much sour cream and cheese on your wedges. That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, 
just got to practice. That's all you got to do. I've been practicing for 13 uh, years and it's starting to pay off, so you just got to keep practicing. Uh, that's my problem. Nope, I don't practice. There you go. That's why it's a social game for me, mate. I'm not playing in the Australian Open. Zach, mate, we appreciate you coming on. Uh, keep keep going well. I'll be watching your career with interest. I heard so much about you, and it was an absolute honour to be able to share the fairways at Clearwater a few months back. So uh, all the best, mate. We'll keep in touch. Got your number now. So thanks so yeah, much mate. for your time. Awesome. Nah, cheers, mate. Thank you. Have a good day. Yeah, you too, Zach. You too. And oh, great to chat to you know one of the young up and comers. I mean, that that's a cool opportunity, isn't it? Mate, going to Florida University, as he said, was it ninety seven percent of PGA players mm. go, coming out of university, mate? And that is that he's got the full ride too, by the sounds of things. Um, so he'll be set up post post that, regardless of what happens with his golf game. But he's also not going to be you know doing uh, like how Foxy had to do it and put his hand in his pocket to try and qualify for DP tour and do it that way. That's the biggest challenge, isn't it? Like, the biggest challenge is finding financially, funding yourself, trying to get around to these these world events, get around there without having to worry about living, travelling, etc., etc. Um, going to the college, m- mixing it with the big players. Like, he mixed it with the big, big players over in the Australian Open. Like I said earlier, he beat Robert McIntyre, who's a hell of a player. He lost to Michael Hendry, who's qualified for the Open. Um, you got Dan Hillier. You got, who else we got? Um, Josh Armstrong, who I played with last year. Hell of a player. Braden Becker. Like, there's some quality players that he bet out. And if it wasn't for that second round 78, he missed the cut by three shots. Mm. He left a few out there. And it was great to hear his honesty in regards to the pressure. You know, when you're playing in front of 50 people, then on day two, you're playing in front of 400 people. It's a hell of a difference. He would take so much away from that. And golf is 99.9% mental. And that's the thing, too. You know, you come from this part of the world, and he goes into the the U.S., that U.S. system. The guys that will be his teammates and he'll be playing against won't have had those opportunities yet because, you know, the U.S. is just so big and there are thousands and thousands of players. Yeah, you're mixing it. You're 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 a small fish in a huge pond, isn't it? When you're in in in, in America, but you're at the foot doorstep. You just got to walk through that door. All you need is one break. You look at Sam Jones with the mm. DP World Tour. He's finally made it, and I heard whispers that once you make the DP World Tour, they give you a couple of hundred thousand to to re- help you with the travel, accommodation, living, so you can solely focus on playing golf. So the world's his oyster right now. Sam Jones, the left-hander from Taranaki, he's got a hell of an opportunity next year. And how good is it having a couple of Kiwis flying the flag on the DP World Tour? We are, we are in such a good spot now in terms of golfers around the globe. You got Kazuma Kabori, yeah. who's knocking on the door of stardom. Uh, you got young Zach Swanick. Uh, you got Lydia Ko, who's still flying the flag over north. You got Ryan Fox, who I reckon potentially could be our next major winner. Ah, it's such a good time to be a golf fan. Well, I tell you, with all these guys coming through, maybe not the next one, but maybe in a couple couple of years' time, all of a sudden the President's Cup gets more interesting for us. Oh, mate, don't get me started. Ryan Fox should have played in the last President's Cup. Mm. He should have been there, um, without a doubt. We will have potential couple of players playing in the President, President's Cup in the mean, 
in the near future. Yeah, looking forward to that, man. Looking forward to that. All right, keep your texts rolling through. We have got, of course, a Chemist Warehouse fragrance pack to give away for text of the day. Chemist Warehouse is the real house of fragrances this Christmas and all at unbeatable prices. All you need to do to get hold of that is to text us on double eight double three and the text of the day will Keep your kickers coming through too. Oh, yeah. Is this- there's still time. There is still and I haven't seen one that's really hit me between the eyes and said, I'm going to pick you. Have you picked one yet, Rick? Oh, I do quite like this one, and it's more for the story than the bet. Uh, morning, lads. For Kippy's kick, it's my old man Alan's birthday on Tuesday. I saw one at Geelong ridden by his favourite jockey, John Allen, funnily enough. Race three, number 13, Sistine Tunnel at $2.20. Would love to win a bit of cash and shout the old man a few beers over the weekend for his birthday. Oh, wow. So no pressure on Dagger. Yeah, none whatsoever. None whatsoever. I, actually, I need, I need a certainty, please. Uh, well, I just saw actually Izzy, um, and, and this. Oh, all, no, no, you're not giving me one. I'm not giving you one. What I'm telling you is that um, you know how we got told yesterday that Mad Max had been scratched, and then it was like, oh no, I'm mm-hmm. looking at the wrong race. I put some money on Mad Max each way today. Just went back to my TAB account. The money's back in my account. He's been scratched. Okay, so he's going to race Sunday. It was either today or Sunday. Yeah, so there you go. No Mad Max today. I just, I just thought I'd give you that tip, mate. Just that, that, that's what the only. Okay, tip so I'm no Mad you. Max. Yeah. I need a certainty to get Alan paid. Is that what was? His, is that his name, Alan? Uh, we are talking. Well, John Allen's the jockey. His old man's name is Alan, uh, but his name is Jackson in Christchurch. Jackson, we're going to get your dad paid. And I need an absolute certainty, so send it through, please. Yeah, we need a certainty for Israel. I cannot Israel, live with that. If he can cannot do that. live with that. Yeah, yeah thank you. Uh, you're listening to Izzy and Kempe for breakfast. <laughs> Thanks to Chemist Warehouse, keeping you healthy this summer. It is 8.26, plenty of texts coming through on double eight double three. You want a cert, Kempe's kicker, Trentham Race 5, Red Sea. It's from Cam in Cambridge. Mm. He does say we need Kempe's inside word from Sharrick's runners uh, today on his home track. We do. We need to catch up with uh, the the El Sheikh Sharok uh, Red Sea. Oh look, Cam. Look, Cam. There's a couple of the certainties. So you're probably sitting in third place at the moment. But uh, if that wins, I'll be gutted. <laughs> yeah, absolutely gutted. Yeah. Uh, da- I, I, I'm under more pressure than I've ever felt before to get Jackson's dad's dad paid. Because Jackson's that he's his winner, he's going to win that race, isn't he? Yeah. So you're taking that one. I'm taking that's that your one. one. Yeah, two twenty. Okay. Yeah. Well, if it loses, how are you going to feel, Jackson? Uh, two, oh, two forty. It's in. It's 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 it's, it's, it's blown out slightly. Oh, 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 now I'm getting nervous. What about Agon? <laughs> Mark C is texting through. You should, for Daggy's dynamic multi, go Agon at four fifty. Ah, uh, look, I spoke about it on Love Racing. I don't. Know how certain I am. Don't follow me. But uh, there's a couple there that I'll have a look at. Lakers to beat the Pelicans, dollar seventy eight, or the Bucks v Pacers tomorrow. Points minus one point five, a dollar eighty seven from Mark. So there's a couple there that I think will be certain uh, int- to help Jackson and his dad out. There's an interesting text here from Kevin talking about Australian rugby and how New Zealand can help make mm. it stronger. By starting up a schools like under seventeens, etc. competition sort of bled as low format, something to aim for, making the game even stronger between the two nations benefits both at present needs a fresh kind of paint, bled as low super rugby and starting uh, and under seventeens is a start. Otherwise NRL is just gonna get stronger and stronger. Just a thought, Izzy. No, it's a great thought, isn't it? It's an absolute doozy of a thought, mate. Um look, they they do play the New Zealand schools, but whether that's enough, probably definitely not. Definitely not. Something like that that's, as a young kid when you're going through school, would encourage you to play the game of rugby, particularly if you've got a bit of talent. 
something like that would influence so many young kids to have a crack at rugby when you're playing for a mini Bledisloe mini whatever it is competition match series of three or two to be played in the holidays hey go for it there's plenty to be talked about and I don't um, I don't don't want to be negative about Kevin's idea because I think it's coming from the right place but part of me the cynic in me just goes the NRL scouts will just be going thanks very much all the best kids in New Zealand and Australia are (laughs) one, one, one place yeah, for sure, but we cannot be scared off because of the NRL. They're always going to be there. They're always going to be a threat, and that shouldn't stop us innovating and coming up with new competitions and ideas. Um, they they cannot pick everyone, but they will go through and scout the best players because they're already doing it. But we, we need to think of entertainment, engagement, and, and encouraging these young players to have a crack at rugby. From us, our point of view, I think New Zealand rugby would be all for it. Now Hamish McLennan's gone. I'm sure they'd be open to that idea too. Phil Wall. Uh, it's his biggest problem right now is these young kids playing different rugby. I've played golf with Andrew McCullough. He played 300 games for the Broncos. He actually went to Brisbane High School, which has traditionally played rugby. And he played rugby um, over in his high school years and then obviously got lost to the league. Well, apparently that school's not really even playing rugby anymore. So that's the problem there and then, is all these different sports are taking over and rugby's been pushed out the back door. So they need to find it again, start from scratch, and it's a hell of a long way to come back from that. They are pretty in dire, straight, a dire position at the moment. Yeah, yeah, it just doesn't get talked about. Even like um, if you go to the Fox News web, uh, Fox Sport website when they, when they used to have mm. rugby, you, yep. you, know, you have the bar down the side that has all the different sports tabs. It'd is be, it on the bar now? Well, I don't, I don't know, actually. I haven't had a look. But I remember looking at it and it being NRL, AFL. Uh, I think there was motorsport. There was basketball. There was football and like and, and cricket, obviously. And rugby was like seventh or eighth on that list. Yeah. It's not great. Not great at it's all. It's not great at all. Uh, 29 away from 9 o'clock. We're going to catch up with our mate Paul Mawadi from the TAB shortly. Right now, though, here is Araha with the latest in news. Thanks to Kubota. Kubota's in-stock catalogue is out now. 27 away from 9 o'clock. And uh, our mate Paul Mawadi from the TAB joins us. Make sure that you jump on tab.co.nz and uh, check out the Grand Tour Hub. Bet safely, R18. Morning, Paul. How are you doing? Yeah, morning, Ricardo. Going well here, thank you. Yep. Nice, mate. Great nice. day in Wellington. Oh, but he's back. He's back in the capital, mate. And uh, actually, I was just talking to Izzy about it. That's why uh, it's sunny, mate, because he left. And he didn't even text us a message back. about these harness horses, and I'm still waiting for the for the gravy. Have you got anything today? Oh, I might have something today. Uh, at- uh, okay, New Plymouth, okay. yeah. I j- just might have something for you boys. Uh, it's race two at New Plymouth, um, mm-hmm. and it's an Alan Sherrick runner, number 15, ah. uh, Archeron. I think it's called Archeron, uh, to be ridden okay. by Lisa Allpress. It's, it's the big mover oh, in the market. It's coming $9. from nine bucks. Exactly, oh. yes, yeah. Yeah, and I think originally um, Alan Sherrick had three runners in this race, Um but it looks like they've got a – it was a heavy eight um, overnight, I think. It's now uh, improved to a soft seven at New Plymouth, but there have been a number of scratchings. So, uh, yeah, Archeron, $9 into four twenty in race to at New Plymouth. 
has been very well backed, and that was right from the outset when the bookies opened the market. So hopefully uh, that might get you uh, a wee bit of success today. The other one that's been backed in that race is the Robbie Patterson um, uh, gelding, number three, Stout, to be ridden by Craig Grills, $8 into four twenty. Uh, but yeah, best backed Archeron at nine dollars into four twenty. Yeah, and no Mad Max today, mate. Uh, has been officially scratched from race four. So uh, you think we'll see that run around on the weekend? Uh, possibly. I, I'm guessing the track just wasn't. Uh, I, I guess at this time of the year, we're not expecting uh, tracks to be uh, in the heavy eight or soft seven um, sort of region. So hopefully they can find a track that suits, and we'll see Mad Max in the not too distant future. What about uh, Premier League today, mate? We've got plenty of games. We've got a whole bunch uh, just got underway. Another two kicking off at 9.15. Where's the, where's the money going? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Your boys, uh, Ricardo. And I'll tell you, the, the early money was on uh, Manchester United. Uh, they're currently 275 head-to-head. Chelsea are at 240. The draw at 340. Um, but since then, we've seen a swing back towards Chelsea. Uh, and we've just now... Um, taking slightly more money on Chelsea in that head-to-head market than we have uh, on Manchester United. Uh, Where the interest really lies is in the correct school market because we've got a bonus-back promotion uh, on that Manchester United-Chelsea game as we have on the Aston Villa-Manchester City game. And I'm just having a look at where the money's going. And if you have a look at Manchester City, well, they've had a couple of very, very... um, Big scoring games over the last sort of month or so. Of course, they drew with Spurs. Uh, what was that? A few days ago, uh, they beat uh, what was it? Leipzig three-two uh, in the Champions League. They had a four-all draw with Chelsea um, in November, and so there are a number of punters who are having a, a few dabbles at the correct score. They're taking four-all, three-all, um, or Chelsea four-three. Uh, uh, um, or Man City, um, uh, sorry, uh, Man U 4-3. So they're all good around those very, very high-scoring matches, uh, uh, score lines. Uh, that's what they're hoping for in today's big game between Man U uh, and Chelsea. Yeah, and uh, yeah, so, yeah, it's interesting, mate, because you mentioned the Villa-Man City game as well. I think that is ripe for an upset because uh, they're missing a few. Rodri, who kind of anchors their midfield, and Jeremy Doku, who's probably been their best attacking outlet, are both out of this game. So uh, I reckon Villa at home at 450, it's worth a, worth a dabble, or maybe even the double chance to uh, take Villa or the draw. Yeah, they're now at the $5 head-to-head, Aston Villa, and we have taken a bit of money on them, uh, to be fair, uh, Ricardo. Yeah, well, that's good to see, Paul. What else have you got coming up, mate? What else is exciting you? Uh, well, uh, the second test match between Bangladesh... Uh, and the Black Caps, boy, oh boy, uh, that's been a that has been very eventful. Uh, Bangladesh, who were out around, I'm pretty sure around What's three dollars and fifty cents. The draw's eleven dollars now. <laughs> yeah, so I think um, before the off yesterday, the draw was around three dollars, three dollars ten. Now out to eleven dollars. A Bangladesh who were out around around the three fifty four dollar mark, I think. Prior to this test match starting, they're now into a dollar ninety-four, and they're slight favourites to win this test. Black Caps at two dollars and three cents for the Black Caps to win. Of course, uh, it'll rely very much on this partnership between Daryl Mitchell and Glenn Phillips, uh, and whether they can 
um, put a few runs on the board and eat into that um, first innings uh, that uh, Bangladesh put together, what, they got 172 Bangladesh. Uh, the Black Caps currently 55 for five. So, yeah, they're, they're still in with a chance, but um, just the way these Bangladesh bowlers have been bowling at the moment, hopefully that pitch does sort of flatten out a wee bit and we can get to see a few more sort of boundaries. But at the moment, uh, Bangladesh, slight favourites at $1.94. Mate, what, what about uh, Kane Williamson? Currently he's our top run scorer with 13. Uh, is there an option to back him to be top run scorer for the innings? Um, the boys, the boys have taken him out of the market. Yeah, you're correct. Right now, he is the top run scorer in that first innings for the Black Caps. Uh, Daryl Mitchell's one run behind him on 12, uh, and will be uh, coming out at what about 4:30 uh, later on this afternoon to try and overtake uh, Kane Williamson and Glenn Phillips. Of course, is it for extras are at nine, so they're a chance of maybe uh, being top run scorer for the for the Black Caps, but. No, I'm sure we'll see Daryl Mitchell um, move on. And he is currently uh, $2 to be the top run scorer for the Black Caps in the first innings. Glenn Phillips at three fifty, And then, of course, the four uh, batters who haven't taken the crease yet, Kyle Jamison and Mitchell Santner, both $6 to be the top run scorer. Tim Southey's at 18 And Ajaz Patel is $101 to be New Zealand's top run scorer. Maybe not the worst. Maybe not the worst. Ooh. Actually, I'll tell you, mate, I've always uh, I've always uh, liked extras, always thought extras always adds, you know, always gives everything, always is, is consistent, always adds a few to the to the total and plays spin quite well. Yeah. South Africa. Yeah. yeah. Oh, boy. No. Let's hope that the extras aren't the top run scorer for the Black Caps in that, test, in that first. Yeah. Well. Um, yeah. Come on, Daryl Mitchell. Come on, Daryl Mitchell, indeed. All right, good stuff, Paul. Go well, mate. Have a good day, and uh, we'll catch up with you Monday. Thank you, Boyley. Yeah, cheers, boys. Have a good one, mate. Cheers. Uh, TAB, uh, you can check all the odds, promos, and boosted odds at Grand Tour Hub at tab.co.nz. Bet safely, R18. Now, uh, Izzy, you've had a little bit more time. We've had a few more texts come through. Have you got anything... Uh, that you like. Cam has said that Rotorua on Sunday with Opie Boston on Mad Max, that is happening. Mm. Yeah, that's happening on Sunday and great to have Opie. He just gets people paid. Um, so that that enhances that chance to get there, get up. Oh, yeah, I've, I've got two. Now I'm going to pick out a Mark or Ryan and okay. take. So we'll, we'll announce it in the, in the next uh, wee couple of minutes and we'll get someone paid. Mm. We've also got to give away our Chemist Warehouse gift pack, and there's been a few good ones coming through. Yep, they have. Uh, we'll get to those next. It is at 19 away from 9 o'clock. 13 away from 9 o'clock, double eight double three is how you can get hold of us. Uh, we are looking for a text of the day. You'll score yourself if you are text of the day. Uh, Chemist Warehouse fragrance pack, of course. So we've got a pack to give away all this week, uh, each day this week, and one each day next week as well. So keep your texts rolling through for that. Chemist Warehouse, the real house of fragrances this Christmas, and all at unbeatable prices. Is he, how are you doing with the kicker? Have you found something? I've got the kicker, yeah, and I like uh, the Bucks paces tomorrow. Dollar eighty-seven minus one point five. That is with Mark. Okay, so I'm going to chuck that in there with Jackson and Brenton. He's sent through a text that's not going to win it. Hoping this is the best text of the day, guys. This is the best show on radio, and Daggy best All Black to win number fourteen. Thanks, guys. Have a good day. Well, 
Only wore number 14 for one year. So uh, if you had said number 15, well, you, you would have gone close. Yeah, you're not going to get a Brenton. So, yeah, uh, okay. All right. No, yeah, I was yeah. going to say, when he put 14, I'm like, Dagger's best, best moments were in a 15. Yeah. Oh, look. I was lucky to, to wear both, really. I played 14 in my last year. That was enjoyable. But uh, Brenton, you're not going to get it today. You're not going to get it today. And oh, look, I, I'm, I, I like feel-good messages, and there's been one that's come through late, and uh, I feel like we should we should give it to this person. Uh, my wife had her ACL operation three months ago. Seven days later, her dad passed away suddenly all through that time. She's been a trooper. It's her birthday this Friday. I'd love to be able to make it extra special for her. So I feel like we should give it to Charles. Um, to to make it special for his wife going through a pretty difficult time. If if you're in agreement, yeah, mate. Yep, sounds good to me. You're the boss, is it? You're Perfect. the boss. So that's... <laughs> no, no. we're a team, brother. We're a team. <laughs> you're okay. You're the captain of the team. How's that sound? How's that? Is that, is that all right? Does that make sense? I, I, it feels wrong, mate. Does it? You're about seven, seventy-eight years older. <laughs> <laughs> About 78 Sorry, kilos more as well, probably. But yeah, that's all right. That's a, I thought I'd get him before you did, bro. I thought I'd get him before you did. <laughs> no, no chance, mate. All right. No chance. Who have you gone for? Uh, you've gone Jackson, so yeah. we put that together. What, what are we going to get, Robbie? Well, uh, yeah, I just need to come in and also say uh, it's the Bucks minus four and a half at a dollar eighty-seven. if we're still happy. Uh, yeah, minus four and a half. They'll smash them. Yeah. They'll smash them? All right. Here we go. Yeah. Uh, $4.48 odds. Um, with sustain, where is it? Sustain tunnel as well. Uh, Fifty dollar bonus yep. bet. Uh, One seventy four forty. One seventy four forty. All right, it's okay. It's okay. It's better to get paid than not have any money, right? So. And you know what, Mark's gonna do if that comes through, Jackson. You get it all. I've made the call. <laughs> <laughs> See you, Mark. Oh, Mark. Thanks, thanks for playing, though, Mark. Thanks for playing. Oh, that is outstanding. Nice, nice call. See, that's what happens when you're captain. Is he just make those calls? No. You make those no. calls. Oh. Hey, hey uh, and just quickly, how awesome to have Paul Cole playing New Zealand Open in Tauranga this week. A world class athlete coming home to compete in New Zealand promote squash. Outstanding athlete, outstanding New Zealander. We're going to try and get him on this morning, but his plane was delayed. Twenty seven hours diverted for Ooh, Australia. That's ugly. So it's been a difficult time for him um, to to get back and play. He's playing tonight in his first match, so. We'll try and get him tomorrow morning if he's willing and he's and he's feeling okay. We'll get him on the show. But uh, Paul Cole's back in New Zealand and hopefully going to catch up with him and we'll hopefully get him on our EUs. Yep, sounds good. Looking forward to that tomorrow. We should also have Costa Barbarousas out of the Phoenix and uh, possibly uh, one of nice. these debutants uh, or potential debutants for the Black Caps in that series against uh, Bangladesh as well. So a whole punch coming your way. Also coming your way. Uh, the uh, the Hawks Bay Express, Ian Smith, he's with us next. And we are four minutes away from nine, and that means we're four minutes away from Smithy. Good morning, Smithy. How are you? Yeah, good morning, Ricardo, and uh, good morning to you. Uh, is your nice day for golf in Hawks Bay? Are you venturing out down there today? <laughs> Not today, Smithy. Uh, had, a, had a wee crack yesterday. Tough wins, uh, 85. Pushing my handicap out, mate. It's... <laughs> It's it's not very good form at the moment, but we had young Zach Swanick on um, this morning, and, and great to chat mm. to him. Obviously, he played in the Aussie Open and five mm. under in the first round. Took a lot of uh, lessons from that second uh, round when he shot uh, five over. Um, but um, mate, a huge talent. He's going to go to Florida College, 
and players trade over there at college, which does wonders for these young kids to to have a crack at the big time in the PGA. So, um, we had an awesome morning, mate. It's great. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, well, we've been lucky enough to be able to secure uh, Brian Ashby this morning. Uh, he's going to talk nice. to us uh, about the Ironman coming up this weekend in Taupo. Uh, massive. Uh, it's the first time since 2019, and we're looking forward to this time next year, the actual World Championship, Ironman World Championship back in Taupo. So there's a lot of uh, qualification uh, f- up for grabs in that as well. So we'll talk talk to, uh, to, to Brian about that. Then we'll uh, have uh, a situation where we're going to talk to Tony Lee. Now, Tony Lee, of course, one of New Zealand's greatest ever race callers. We won't be calling anymore uh, after next year because yeah. after the Wellington Cup, I think it's his last meeting, and got a job here. So we'll talk to T. Lee about that because a lot of people are very, very surprised. Uh, Sam Wells uh, is a new cricket selector for the Black Caps. So they've just named a, a one-day side to take on Bangladesh. So we'll talk to Sam about that and his philosophies on selection. I'd love to know, uh, get to know Sam Wells a little bit better. We're going to Mount Rushmore today. And you guys might want to dine in on this uh, because it is about dinner. Four good <laughs> Kiwi roosters. Kiwi blokes, Kiwi women you'd like to have dinner with, sporting-wise. <sighs> Who would you like to? Oh. Kiwis. Uh, have to be living? Would help. Conversation levels might be a bit smaller if they're not. (laughs) Can I dream? Uh, Okay. Um, (laughs) Right now. What about you? You go, Rick Dog. I'll have a think. Yeah, no, I I was thinking uh, I I would love to uh, to, to sit around the table one more time with Steve Sumner, the former All Whites captain, but if they've got to be living, yeah, yeah, that makes it a little bit tougher. But I I mean, there's some interesting characters out there, mate. that I think that I think would be great. Who could who could tell some great stories? I mean, Gary Freeman would be one. I mean, can you imagine the story sitting around the table and having a couple of jars with yep. Gary Freeman? I, I think he'd definitely be up there. I think he'd be there. James McDonald might be in the mix if you're a racing person. Um, yeah, J- maybe even J Mac could be in there. Uh, oh, you've, you've you've stumped me. You've stumped Dagger. <laughs> you've stumped me. I was going to say Sam and Hillary. I thought it would have been great to have a have a sit down with oh, the late great Sam and Hillary. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'll I'll say Michael. No, no, no. It's, yeah, Michael Campbell. I'll chuck out Michael. Campbell, okay. Michael Campbell. Campbell. See what he's done. Su- yeah. Success and life after success. Yeah, that'd be a good conversation. Mm. So we're, we're going to ask people for their four, uh, their four throughout the morning. Who have you um, got? And they can text, text it on double eight double three. Uh, well, I actually um, I framed it up wrong, and I've got to rethink now because I had Jim Nance. I, I went overseas. Ah, Jim oh. Nance, the great the great commentator. <laughs> Billy Jean King on how sport has advanced in her lifetime for women yep. in particular. Sachin Tendulkar mm. on life as a god, uh, and maybe Usain Bolt. They're not even world. Kiwis. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I've got to rethink it. 